Staffney will protect us. My name is Matthew Kroll. And Mommy's with the maggots now. My name is Shahir Dowd. And open the door like you opened your legs, you stupid, groupy slut. I'm Patrick Willems. <laughs> this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Evil Dead Rise. Could you do it in the Bane voice? Evil Dead Rise. Oh, you want you want the oh I'm doing the Harley Quinn Bane voice, I think. Well, th- that's just it's a variation. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just because of the rises and well, the rise, and that's all I get. That's all I got out the of that. The Evil Dead Rises. Yeah. There we go. There yeah, we go. Yeah, I, that's, I that's haven't it. watched Dark Knight Rises in a minute. Here's a question, um, Patrick. Welcome back. Yeah. Hey, Thank Patrick. you. I'm 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 back. <laughs> yeah. I was uh uh I I haven't listened to your previous episode yet, but I was told by someone in my Discord server that you mentioned that I was almost a guest on it. I did. <laughs> so I did. I'm, I'm glad that uh. You know, we're getting the little Patrick bump. Is that what's happening? Yeah, no, that's so funny that someone in your Discord (laughs) mentioned that we mentioned that you might, that you were maybe going to be on it. Yeah, well, because okay, I'm I'm happy to be back because I have. I, f- I felt genuinely bad about having to cancel on you guys uh, multiple times. As in, I, w- I was like, uh, we were talking about me being on the Avatar yep, episode. Yep, yep, sure. yep, yep. C- couldn't, couldn't make it. Yeah. Uh, last week, uh, it, it was, it was very last oh, minute. Oh, Bo's Afraid. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I was, last minute. Was, yeah. That's, that, yeah, that's And, uh, almost in Bo's Afraid, couldn't make it. And then, and then I was like, I feel bad. Oh, and, and then I was literally, okay, here's the thing. I couldn't do Bo's Afraid because I was like, I, I was like, oh, right. I have tickets to see Evil Dead Rise. <laughs> right. Hey, how about we do that one? <laughs> yeah. And it worked out. Well, well, okay, so we can make up to the audience a little bit here by giving us your maybe five liners on Avatar 2 and Bo is Afraid. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Uh, so Avatar, The Way of Water. Uh, look, if anyone watched my video that I released in February about my, you know, my, my, where I had my top 20 films of 2022, mm-hmm. I think it was number eight. Right. So it was in my- So it's, it's, it's there. So I thought it was great. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And, uh, and, 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 uh, Bo is afraid I still need to chew on a lot more before I like declare, you know, like before, here's the thing. I'm kind of relieved I wasn't on the episode because I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready to like go yeah. on mic and drop a whole lot of like takes on it. Sure. But it might, it's a contender for my favorite movie of the year so far. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it, it is, is mine as well for folks who have listened for that one person on your discord server that listened to uh, that <laughs> episode. Yeah. Scorsese went on, he was, uh, he was talking to Ari Asta on, um, in front of the audience afterwards. And I Wait, think, where did you see it? Lincoln Center. Oh damn! Yeah. And and um, I, I, I didn't see night. that session, but I've seen the video. I of was it. there at Lincoln the same night, seeing it in a different theater when that was going on. And you were like, "God damn!" I it. was a little bit upset because I didn't realize what was happening until I saw people outside like waiting at the end, and I was like, "What the looking up, son of a bitch!" Well, and Scorsese said something interesting. I mean, Scorsese has um, you know mounted praise for Ariasta since Hereditary. He he showed clips of Hereditary at a screening without knowing that Ariasta was in the audience because Ariasta is a big fan of. Scorsese, so it was a big, you know, it was a. Can you imagine <laughs> being R.A. Yeah, yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! I, well, he he heard about uh, the fact that Scorsese was going to play it, so he turned up and then, uh. like, you know, like uh, was there. So great. Um, Scorsese has a lot of love for Hitchcock and Midsommar, um, but he said something that I think I, I I look without knowing what Scorsese's opinion of it, of the film is, but he said a few interesting things that I think uh, resonated with me about about that movie, which was one. He said some movies are there to be wrestled with. And they will be contentious. And he Scorsese, I think, even in his effusive praise for the film, said some films will make people feel like they're boring. 
And and he compared it to Barry to seeing Barry um Barry Lyndon. And and he said, you know, some movies will be contentious and will need time to gestate in the public consciousness before they take their place. And I think that Bo's Afraid is a good example of that. And even Asta himself was in an interview where he said something along, along the lines of, this is too soon for me to be talking about this movie. Mm-hmm. I should talk about this in 10 years' time when we realize whether the movie was a colossal failure or whether it, <laughs> whether it was, you know, like grows in cult, uh, cult fandom. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I, you know, recounting my thoughts on the movie itself, which was that, you know, I was mixed on it. Um, it is also a movie that I'm wanting to see again to kind of assess in more time. And it might be, you know, we've had this thing with um, The Departed, a movie that I do not love, right. but I watch every year. Yeah, that's and, weird. and it's like I watch it all the time because I'm always watching going, why don't I love this movie? And and I think there's a thing about, you know, Bo's Afraid, which is that that might be become one of those kinds of movies for me it is i mean do you find with the departed that even if you don't love it that it is a very very watchable it's movie eminently watchable yes but i also think that i i think it's bad Ooh, <laughs> which is you which, which i which is I, I have watched this with that opinion every time and i think it is a movie where i go jack nicholson is magnificent in this the rest of this i can't quite buy with a straight face it's i <laughs> I like The Departed a lot. It yeah. is not in my like my upper tier score says yeah. rankings, but it's funny because you talk to some like like there's other people I know who are like I think the movie is great. I think it is Jack Nicholson's worst performance mm. and he's the weakest part of the movie. And I'm really? just like you know <laughs> for a movie that on paper seems like a pretty straight down the middle like yeah. you know cop drama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People have come out of that with with like just complete opposite opinions. Yeah, yeah. I, I love The Departed. Uh, the Departed. Uh, that was back during my same night movie review days. Where we'd write, shoot, and edit uh, the review of the film in a style of the film in the same night. Back when I was young and had energy. Oh, oh my uh, god! Uh, uh, sorry. It, the, can I just say we're recording on Matt's birthday, and yeah. Matt has so much energy. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, I, I feel like I feel like if you knew me in my twenties, Shahir, you knew me in my early thirties. I think. I yeah, sure. Uh, I feel like I've known you for yeah, it's, yeah. You've been a very long time. Uh, I also, I've was a only psychopath. known Matt since twenty twenty one, which that feels weird as well. I, right. I feel like I've known you for like at least four years, <laughs> not less than two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But here we are. Listen, here we are. hey guys, thank and you it's so Matt's much. birthday. Thank you so much for coming and talking about Evil Happy Dead Rise. Birthday, thank Happy you. birthday! Happy birthday! I actually bought you. I don't present. have your present yet. No, it's all right. You don't. It's not my birthday. It's your birthday. Yeah, but so I bought you something uh, which I thought you might enjoy, what? which you could open on on the. Do you episode. want me to open? I, okay, you can open them on the episode. What? This is the, this is the best uh, idea for a audio medium podcast. <laughs> I'm just, I'm going to try to. Hold I'll on. narrate. Yeah, okay. Matt. Is, Matt is. He's he's ripping the paper. He's ripping the paper. It is rectangular. It's <laughs> rectangular. Oh, oh, oh. <gasps> okay. Wait. Oh shit. On, are the on. are these criterions? They are criterions. Yo. Okay. Okay. Is it House? Yep. It is House. House, and I don't, I'm not familiar with this. G- well, this is the greatest movie uh, of all time. Oh, Jean Dielman. To- <laughs> all right. According to Science Sound Magazine, which I actually think you will hate, but hey, I, well, I, I will say, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but I hey. bought it because it is the greatest movie ever made, according to Science Sound, and it, this- basically according to the filmmakers and critics of the world. Yeah. Is did you buy me this movie? So that we do it on so the podcast. So that we do it on the podcast. Is that what you did? And that's did? why I bought House because I was like, well, then I'm going to also buy something that I think you'll like. Oh my! Okay. God. Wait, have you not seen House? No. Ma, you're going to love it so yeah, much. It's... You're going to love wait, it. Wait, wait. Uh, oh, I'm just going to say double feature: House, John Dealman, back <laughs> yeah, to back, back to back. Look, they're both set in houses. They are. <laughs> uh, and maybe I'll do it the day before or after the Oppenheimer Barbie double feature. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And then there's hold on. 
This one, this one also also rectangular. This looks one larger. actually comes from my son and me because we were at a thrift store <laughs> and we saw this and we were like, "This is a mat prison." It's not Lego, but it looks like Lego. It's Star Trek. It's, it's Star, Star Trek, Trek Spock. Uh, that is not Lego. It's almost Lego. Yeah. Kubros. 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 I will build him and put him on my desk. Thank you very much. That's you're very welcome. Sweet. Happy birthday, man. Thank you. So, Matt, we... I, 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 my only gift is my presence. That's totally fine. No, your gift will be the gift of song this weekend. Shahir cannot make it because it is on his birthday. That but is there true. will be a karaoke extravaganza. Yeah, we're now, we're now putting it out there. Oh, uh, this year's yes. after that. Oh, okay. So, uh, <laughs> it's already happened. So, when this, when you listener, when you hear this episode, you'll know that I have attended Matt Kroll's birthday party. That's true. That's true. Spoiler alert. <laughs> anyway, enough about me. Let's talk about Evil Dead Rise. Oh, yeah, the movie that we, we are here to talk about. And specifically, the Evil Dead franchise as it relates to me and my childhood. Okay, um, hit us. I, well, I, 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 this is a franchise that was with me uh, throughout since I realized that I wanted to do anything in media. I feel like that's a, not an uncommon story for people in not my- a young, Not amongst young men. In my, in my <laughs> redacted age group. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it was just like, I, I've talked many times I escaped from New York when I was very, very, very young was the first time I realized people made movies and I could make movies or do things. And that was sort of a magical moment. But then as I kind of started getting more and more like, I don't know, understanding how money worked, uh, I was like, oh, I, I can't make that. Wait a minute. There's this thing called Evil Dead that like is super kind of low budget and like it's a group of friends that just sort of it felt that way that they, they sort of did it. And that gave me a big boost into doing um, honestly, uh, Patrick, I don't even know if I've ever told you this, but uh, I made a feature. It's not on film. I made it when I was very young. I wrote the script when I was 16, finished shooting it when I was 19, finished editing it when I was 22. Wow, yeah. I didn't know this. Yeah, yeah, you know that Skulls. I've talked about Skulls Across New York to you before. Have I not? I don't believe you. Wait. I, I, I have a pretty good memory, and Skulls Across New York is not a title I, I am familiar with. I feel like I've heard you say Skulls Across New I York I might. Today. I don't know. Anyway, the point is, my dumb feature-length movie that I have made, the only one I've made of that length, which actually, weirdly, I'm still kind of proud of for like that age range of me. Yeah, is so Evil Dead. It doesn't feel like Evil Dead, but like the way I made it feels like I imagined Evil Dead felt to make. Mm -hmm. So I have a weird sort of like <laughs> parasocial relationship with the franchise as a whole, and uh, which is why I was actually quite excited to see this, even though I didn't see the 2013 one, which I know we'll get into before. Yeah. But uh, I mean, how about you guys? How is this franchise at all for you? Is there connections anywhere in this, or is this just a, a passing fancy? What what? How do how do you relate to this this whole thing? Uh, I I will go first. Um, I love Evil Dead so much. Okay, so I think I had a similar thing to you, Matt. Uh, I remember. I think I saw I saw Evil Dead two first. Evil. I'll just say right start up. Like Evil Dead two is one of my five favorite films of all time. Yeah, right. Like it is. It is like on my Mount Rushmore. Mm -hmm. I have watched it so many times. It's like I love the whole trilogy. What I love about Evil Dead, despite I said the the original three movies, yeah. mm -hmm. despite them all being made by Sam Raimi, starring Bruce Campbell, I feel like there is one for like there's one for each kind, every kind of person. Mm -hmm. It's like because each one is its own thing, mm -hmm. and uh, and everyone, every person has their favorite, 
and it's it, it, it's like um you know I, I know a lot of people who love Army of Darkness the most. It's it's the goofiest. It has like the old school like Ray Harryhausen adventure vibes. Yeah. Are, Matt, are you an Army of Darkness guy? Yeah, and I was just gonna say to be honest, that is when where my head was. Like if Evil Dead inspired me to make that movie I just mentioned, I feel like Army of Darkness is the style and tone of of movie that I made. Granted, obviously not as good, but it was. It's like that's what was the emulation point. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. See, that makes so much sense. Yeah. There, there's people who are who are more like the I, I like the 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 really like kind of like stripped down like first movie, just like really raw. Mm-hmm. And for me, the the second one is the sweet spot. Yeah. It is, uh, it is the thing. It is still like full on with all of the horror elements, but everything is ramped up to such a like hyper kinetic comic degree. Yeah. Uh, that it is like. It's a thing. It's a funny thing because Evil Dead Two. It it never. It doesn't quite veer into full on like comedic scenes the way Army of Darkness does. Sure, mm-hmm. but it just it knows how to like crank the horror to a degree uh, that it just becomes funny. And like I I remember watching that movie. I remember showing it to groups of friends in high school. And watching how a group of people, like, everyone will be reacting differently. And some people would be genuinely frightened, and other people are laughing hysterically the entire time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also had that same thing of, like, you know, it was very inspiring because, like, oh, my God, this is, like, you know, I don't don't have this much money, but it was made for less money than every other movie I watch. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was a thing that, like, Sam Raimi is one of my guys. Yeah, right. Uh, You know, I I remember this thing, like, after seeing, after, like, Spider-Man 2 came out, and some people being like, what was up with that weird hospital scene? That felt really strange. (laughs) And me being like, no, you don't understand. It's, it's, uh, (laughs) if you watch, if you watch his early movies, it's, you realize it's, like, a nod to that. Anyway, um, I love the Evil Dead series so much. I love Sam Raimi so much. A thing that I have thought about a lot is especially because we're in an era where, like, obviously every horror series, you you know, mm. like horror is is a very like cyclical, c- c- serializable yeah. yes. uh, genre, and um, but recently, so many things have been coming back. Like you know, we, we are we are now two movies into the Scream revival. Yep. Yeah. We've had an entire Halloween reboot trilogy. All of these things are coming back like faster than ever. And and especially being like revived in a way where they can keep going. And I have really been I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna ask a question and then pass it over to Shahir. Okay. And I have genuine and I, I say this as someone I'm just gonna say I you know, I had a good time with Evil Dead Rise, mm-hmm. but I am also really wondering if Evil Dead is a series that really makes sense to be a series without Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell. Yeah. Interesting. They are still producing the films, however. Oh, so they, they are. Still, they still have their I, hand in it somewhere. I, I, I mean, it's the thing, you know, <laughs> Sam Raimi, like, you know, gave like a thumbs up and yeah. get, gave it a green light, but I, he's not on set. Yeah, yeah. And so, Bruce Campbell appears in the record. We should also point out that the, the other binding factor in these films is Rob Tappert, who's producer, mm-hmm. who's yes. been with him for a while, which is why the film was shot in New Zealand, because Rob Tappert lives in New Zealand yep. and has been working in New Zealand for the last... 20 odd years now um, with um, Xena, Warrior Princess, Hercules. Their whole uh, empire is built out of New Zealand. Yeah. Um, so uh, I I came to Evil Dead uh, after Darkman. So uh, I saw Darkman first <laughs> yeah. and I thought Darkman was amazing. Um, I think the, the sort of 
the the sensibilities of Sam Raimi that I loved in particular were evident to me in Darkman first because that's what I saw first and then the kind of um, the mix of body horror, you know, like almost Cronenbergian body horror mixed with Looney Tunes uh, was what I really responded to in Darkman. I think Darkman's amazing. And then I went back and watched Evil Dead after that. Um, and in New Zealand, again, the context for Evil Dead is slightly different because we are, of course, um, uh, uh, moored by Peter Jackson and the, the sort of gravitational orbit of Peter Jackson. And for Peter Jackson, uh, Evil Dead was a clear influence on his first film, Bad Taste. Um, and Bad Taste, for example, is kind of... Uh, while um, riffing on the evil, well, not riffing on the evil dead, but certainly inspired by evil dead, um, is a slightly different piece. But it, but it, it, it bears the same hallmarks, which is that it's also it's funny, which is the the key hallmark that I think is going to come up again and again as we talk about evil, uh, the, the new franchise, is the comedic factor in this, which is that. Um, you know, with the evil dead franchise, they these are horrors, these are films that like go out to you know, be as disgusting as they can be, but have a sense of humor about it. And so there is a sort of a tongue in cheek, uh, either proverbially or literally in some cases. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, just as a side anecdote, when I was making one of my first films uh, in New Zealand, uh, we were going to shoot in a studio called Avalon Studios, which might have been torn down and made into apartments. But as I was as I was touring <laughs> there, yeah, as I was touring the studio to, to 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 do a location scout, the production manager was like, "Hey, look up!" By the way, and we looked up, and he was like, "Can you see the brown stains on the ceiling?" And I was like, "Yeah, kind of." And he was like, "That's when Peter Jackson made." Um, brain dead here he was like they, they use so wait, much it, blood wait was that, that where they shot the uh lawnmower scene yeah they oh shot the lawn God. yeah and he said there's so, so much blood that it's still they, they have not been able to remove it from the ceiling it was in some 20 years later that's um incredible so so my introduction was sort of like okay sam raimi is the person who inspired peter jackson and therefore you know like th- that is the lineage i do have to be honest which is that uh evil did is i have seen all of them once. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of the three, Army of Darkness is the one I respond to the most in terms of like, you know, in a, in a sort of similar way to Darkman, even though Darkman is slightly darker, uh, has that kind of comedic vibe to it that I that I really enjoy. Um, and, you know, uh, but, but, but more than anything, I am, uh, I, I have a deep admiration for what was achieved. More that is the that is the big thing, and then, and then I think seeing Sam Raimi's career progress from that point, particularly to a film like A Simple Plan, you know, like A Simple Plan to me is like the sort of the zenith point of of Sam Raimi's career for me in terms of like, oh, he started here and this is where he evolved to, and this is a really interesting place to to sort of move to. Um, almost A Simple Plan is his version of Fargo, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so so I'm I I guess I don't have the sort of boyish fan you know for fanboyish reverence. Re- reverence for evil dead so when i came to watch these remakes <laughs> i i was walking into it with 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 a sort of like well i like the evil dead sure i i you know like i don't re-watch these movies or revisit them very often but i'm curious to see what people have done with it um but yeah that's kind of where i stand on, on it which is that i like them sure great to, answer, to sort of go deeper into Patrick's question, because I think I do have an answer, is do you think that it should? This is something that is is franchisable, or that they, like all these other ones feel very like, oh, we can do this, we can make these forever. That's what you were asking, right? Well, so, like, okay, so so here's what I've been thinking about. So if you look at all of the other horror franchises, yeah, not all of them, but most of them. Okay, 
any slasher movie one, mm-hmm. whether it's Halloween, Friday the 13th, uh, Nightmare, on, uh, yep. uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, the recurring factor there usually is just the killer. Yep. Right. And that's in two of those three, the killer can be played by basically anybody. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, not to disrespect the physical performances of the various actors who have sure. played yep. those roles, but uh, but it's like, look, you can... In a hundred years, you can keep making movies where Jason Voorhees is, is stabbing people because it, you, you put a mask on a guy. Yeah. And that is the, like, connective tissue. There's not a lot of continuity, just that one figure. Um, and then you have things like Scream, uh, which is currently, you know, Scream 6 just came out, like, a month or so ago. And, uh, and in that, there is more continuity. There is, like, protagonists that carry over. But the main... Like, the defining feature of Scream is basically, oh, what if we made a slasher movie but featuring characters who are familiar with the tropes of slasher movies? Right. And so it's so you you have the self-awareness meta-commentary part, and that is the brand of Scream. Yeah. And then it's trickier because you bo- try to figure out what is— when you boil it down to it, what is the essence of—like, what is the hook of Evil Dead? Because— the premise is the most generic premise in the world, yeah. which is, I don't know, some people go to a cabin <laughs> and then spooky stuff happens. And I mean, the thing is like the Necronomicon, Necronomicon the, the, I was going to say, but, was the thing, right? But, but it is. But like they didn't invent that book. Oh, no, no, like, no. Like, yeah, exactly. The, the, the interesting thing is I put it in and whether this is a, a compliment or a detriment, I put it in the Hellraiser category. <laughs> Hellraiser is all about most times a puzzle box like it, it's like but an there was item the car- like but, yeah, but, no no yeah, pinhead yeah, is a thing yeah, but but, the, but i will i will i will go as far sirs to say that the deadites which is the dumbest name admittedly <laughs> for a evil force but i whatever they're the yeah. deadites um actually do function very similarly to the way that certain movie monsters specifically slashers or or in this case i think it's more of a pinhead uh, do function. There are rules and things that the deadites can do. They possess people. They well, they they the spirit will come and kill somebody, and then that spirit will possess that person, and then that person becomes the monster. Well, and, the, and there's well, a couple different. The the thing is, Matt. <laughs> the the rules that you're describing are not really the rules in the new movie. It's like these, like like the rules. Yeah, they are not quite. All right, all right. Uh, because. In, for instance, like in Evil Dead 2, our Army of Darkness, um, there's a whole thing of like, oh, you read these words from the Necronomicon, and then it unleashes this stuff, this like force that will like usually possess, usually like a person at a time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, but then if you can manage to like read these other words, it undoes it and like Mm -hmm. traps it back again. Uh, That. In 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 the new movie, it seem it doesn't like the thing does not ho- kind of hop from one person to another in the same way. It possesses like it, it spreads further. It spreads all through a lot of people. Yeah, and there is never any intention of just like reading words uh, like and and to like suck it all back in and undo it. They never find the solution in this one. Right. Well, they do in the in the Evil Dead in in, 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 in the twenty thirteen which I have not seen. But yeah. oh, but what I'm just uh, getting at with the 
Yeah. Basically, Evil Dead has such a generic premise. That's part of that's like sure. by design. It's a premise that, that like the Necronomicon is a thing that just exists yeah. mm-hmm. in like cultural lore. It's yeah. not there's the mythology of this series is is kind of half assed. Yeah. Oh, and it's I, super half assed. I just think I I can I can in that super half assedness there are things that they do fall. Like I was even like even the tricks and the things that the Deadites do is very like oh they've done that before like there's like if if like freddy's in your dreams i guess that's that's more, way more like formulaic of the actual like ag- experience however right. this is like there's always a moment in an evil dead movie where someone possessed by a deadite does something psychic and again it's generic as hell there's possession movies all the time that do this shit but like there's always these little things where i'm always like and what what i'll get to eventually in this movie is uh, this movie, whether or not it succeeds or fails, which I'll talk about later, in my opinion, it is trying to be a uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A spiritual successor rather than a direct successor. It is. So the, uh, just to, to wrap up the thing that I was kind of like yeah, yeah. Uh, getting to with this, basically, I mean, you bring up the Hellraiser series that. Hellraiser has like a fairly complicated mythology mm-hmm. with Cenobites and their world that they're from and the rules that they abide by, their whole philosophy about existence and pleasure and pain and all of that stuff. There's Even, none of that in Evil Dead. Evil Dead has one character. Yeah. It has no real antagonist. Yeah. Uh, it is, like, <laughs> there is no like like there are deadites or there are things that get possessed, but like there's a barely like the lore is so thin the uh the cast of characters is almost non-existent it is um the hook of it is entirely just what if this actor who has a really expressive face and looks like an old-timey like cartoon pilot but uh, but is also really funny, right? Yeah, as <laughs> Bruce. So I think what you're getting at is Bruce Cam- is the evil did evil did without Bruce Campbell. It, also Bruce Campbell, but then also specifically the way Sam Raimi makes these movies, right? Well, I, the the, the way he he yeah. moves his camera, yeah, and like whether it's the like iconic uh like just POV like moving through space shot which is required to be homaged in any evil dead movie yep. yeah. but also just the way he shoots his set pieces yeah. the way he he deploys like you know I, th- I think one of the funniest things in any horror movie ever is the gag in Evil Dead 2 after Ash his hand has become possessed mm-hmm. he is forced to cut off his own hand with a chainsaw his hand is trying to run around mm-hmm. and then he traps it under uh like under a, a, like a trash can and then puts a bunch of books on top to weigh it down and on uh, the book on top of the stack is a farewell to arms right yeah <laughs> and um things Perfect. like that yeah, yeah. and then ch- and then one minute later there are geysers of blood erupting out of holes in the wall shooting different colors of blood into his face it's gross it's like it everything is cranked to 11 and that's really what evil dead is it is that director and this actor, and so watching this movie, I had a good time with it, but I was also kind of wondering, like, why does this need to, to be an Evil Dead movie? So my, mm. so to, to to get to that point, I didn't have a good time in this movie, nor the <laughs> nor the other one, and I asked the exact same question, which was like, what is the point of this? Because the thing about the first two Evil Dead movies, and then even uh, Army of Darkness to an extent, is the thing that you mentioned is that Sam Raimi's sense of humor about what is happening 
is the thing that binds it together as a series. And that is completely non-existent in both uh, The Evil Dead 2013 and this one. That sense of humor about it and 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 the sort of the way I thought about it was more instead in, in of um, um, Hellraiser, I was thinking of like Herschel Gordon Lewis's films, the you know the gore films like uh, the Gore Girl Girls or um, Wizard of Gore things, and, and again Peter Jackson's um, Bad Taste as well, which is the the appeal of the movie is to watch it in a way with a sense of like, oh my god, I can't believe they're gonna do this. Sure. Whereas the sense I get with with watching both these you know these sequels that have come up since is not, is is completely devoid of that experience. Instead of feeling like oh my god I can't believe that they they they're going to do this in this movie, more than I'm thinking is like why are they doing this? Like what is what is the appeal here? Because to me the other thing is if we think about it in comparison to a film like Ready or Not, which came out just a couple of years ago, Love Ready or Not. Um, that's a movie which has actual character motivations mm -hmm. that are then informed by the gore that is going on. This, if we talk about Evil Dead Rise in particular, I think feels like it has the sort of milieu of character motivation that is entirely forgotten about once the deadites appear. Like it is, it is not oh, sure. important whatever the, the sort of the maternal, the, the parental relationship, the, the idea that, that this character is about to have a baby, what does that mean? I, I, I mean, I think the most startling, most important thing that's happening in this movie that is not commented upon, not acknowledged, not even had fun with, is the idea that there is a mother trying to kill her children. Like, but th that is not an existent factor in watching this movie. The only existent factor is when will they get dispatched? How will they get dispatched? Do I care once they've gone? And, and to me... When I was watching it, that was the pervasive feeling while I was watching this. It was just like, I, I, I'm certain that there is a level of uh, interest in watching how a body can be destroyed, but it is not for me. And it's not even in the same way that like, you know, even, and we sort of think about the Sam Raimi films perhaps in a sort of admiration for what they were able to achieve with so little money mm -hmm. and how they were so independent and tiny. And, and that was kind of the, the, the excitement of it. But I thought about um, Takeshi Miike's film, Ichi the Killer, when I was watching that. And it was like, oh my God, I can't believe he's going to do that with this. And that is a fairly decent-sized budget movie by a fairly prolific filmmaker. Sure, There's no sense of that with this, right? Like, I, I don't know if, if, if you guys kind of watched it with that, but I just kind of watched it with a sense of like, when is this going to be over? You know, like it, there, there's nothing for me. The, the, there's no comedy. There's no character, and I, I'm not that interested in seeing how bodies can be destroyed. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna push back a little <laughs> bit, and, and I said this as someone who's <laughs> like, you know. I I think this movie is pretty good. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's great. Uh, I I don't think it's like badly executed or anything by like that by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, it's it's so, just the why of it. Well, so okay. Well, I feel like there. Okay, there's two questions here. Yeah, there is there is just the general why does this movie exist mm. or why is this here? And I mean, I don't know. That's the question you can ask of literally any movie. Yeah, yeah. sure. It's um, I don't think this is trying to you know, say anything, any, but deliver a grand statement about, about, you know, existence. But I do think it is, you know, designed to be kind of like a, a, a fun house thrill ride kind of thing. And like, and I think it's, I think, okay. Uh, basically this is just meant to be a, like, you know, a wacky, 
crazy, yeah. uh, you know, bloody horror movie that, I mean, like, my, like, I will say, my audience, uh, I saw this, like, Thursday night, like, opening night. Yeah. My audience applauded at the yeah. end. They were, like, fully into it. But um, that said, I didn't hear them being very vocal throughout the movie in yeah. the way that I would usually expect from a movie like this. Yeah. But I... Uh, but I feel like it's 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 general goals are similar to what Sam Raimi's were back in the day to just really entertain the audience. <laughs> and um, the 2013 movie, I think, is an interesting point of comparison because so I haven't seen this in a decade. <laughs> yeah, since literally it, you a seen decade. it once yeah. when it came out. Since it came out, yeah. And I wasn't crazy about it. Mm. And what I remember, the, the 2013 one is more of a direct remake, yeah. where it's more like. You know, they go to the, th- the this cabin. this cabin, yeah. and it, it also it does things where, okay, while the new one in in a way that I think is mostly unnecessary will have you know quick usually quick little Easter eggs or like hmm. they'll say a line from the original yeah. or or like they'll have a part where an eyeball flies into someone's mouth, yeah, little like moments like that, um, but the the twenty thirteen one takes it further and it's more like, oh, we're gonna do specific scenes. Yeah. Oh from yeah, they do the tree scene. They do yeah. Really? The, the, they do the, the tree scene. They do and it was a it, it, there was a lot of talk about it when it came out. They're yeah. like, we're gonna do the the tree sexual assault scene. Yeah. And um and they do it. Like yeah. that's there. And uh but things like that. They're they're like we're gonna like, you know, confront this head on and and do like a remake of this movie. But the thing about the twenty thirteen one is it is in no way, shape, or form, a comedy. Yeah. Right. It is extremely serious. Like, the premise of that movie, which I think is actually a very interesting premise that, my, by one of my biggest beefs with that movie, is that I feel like it has a, it starts out in a very interesting way and then forgets about its premise. The the addiction story. Yes. yes. And Where, that's exactly the same here as well. With the, well, it, it, well I, think, I think this one <laughs> uh, forgets about it a bit less. I mean, the thing is, in the 2013 one is, um, there's a group of friends, and one of them has uh, a drug addiction, and they bring her out to this cabin to basically like detox her, and um, and uh, without a professional in in a remote location, exactly the but, perfect the perfect experience. I mean, a, a, a bad move, <laughs> yeah. but it, it does get to this thing of like you know using you know like possession and addiction as 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 like you know metaphors for each other, and then the thing of like people. You know, thinking she's just on mm. like like mm. strung out yeah. or like you know in withdrawal when she's actually possessed, and like there's stuff you can play with there. Yeah, I again, I'm t- you know, trying to remember from a decade ago. Shahir, you just watched it, so tell me if I'm wrong. But my one of my problems with it was basically they kind of like lock uh, Jane Levy, who who plays like the character who is the you know like suffering from addiction. Uh, they kind of like lock her away, and she's ostensibly the main character, as in she is like the hero in the climactic sequence. Uh, she ends up in like the ash roll. She has a chainsaw, yeah. and then she basically disappears for a long time and is totally separated from the entire rest of the cast. Yeah, and so and then I felt like they killed off too many of the characters too quickly, and so that suddenly the cast gets way smaller. That said, the 2013 one. Specifically, like the scene of the person like cutting their face off in in yeah, the, the in bathroom the with glass. Yeah. I remember that being a lot, just gr- grislier and yeah. harder to watch than anything in the new one. Like I remember yeah. it, it yeah. being, um, it being like not like unsatisfying overall, but but occasionally delivering some like genuine nastiness. 
Yeah. So the the. I think that the the through lines in this again I have not seen the 2013 movie. Uh, I think the through lines but in to this, be fair, some people really like it. So yeah, I'm yeah. not saying. So I it, had heard very good things about the 2013 as like you know the 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 thing I knew about the 2013 before I watched it was that it was an excellent remake, and I so I, mean, I I had and sorry just to jump in in both cases this and the 2013 they are very very well made. It's like you know again. Sure, it's not, from it's a, not, it's not from a, case a film of, craft perspective, they are not they are not slouches. Yeah, um, I was trying to question why I didn't see the 2013 remake because I am a fan of this franchise. Like yeah. I, I, that feels like, and I, I went back and I was trying to figure out in my head like what would Matt from 2013? Why wouldn't he see this movie? Yeah, where were you? At where that? was I? Where I don't know. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Man, I saw it opening weekend at the Regal Union Square. I bet you, I had some weird pretentious hang up with it. <laughs> I bet you, I you did. Know, you know, and it got I, good reviews too. I know. It got really good reviews. But like, I probably it's probably the same thing for me because I think the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is is amazing. And the original, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and then the remake came out. Um, I forget the director's name. Marcus uh, Nispel. Yeah, Nispel. Yeah, I've been to his house. Um, what? <laughs> Wait, what? Long story. Um, Wait, is he Australian? Uh, he is Dutch, I believe. Oh, okay. I haven't met him. He has a property in New York you City. You broke into his house. I broke into his house. <laughs> Are you the, what, the movie with Willem Dafoe inside is based <laughs> off it. of? His house. Okay, look to to make the story the the the, the long story short. Uh, his house, he, he owns a property in New York City that was owned as a, as a display house for a company called Macintosh who makes audio equipment. And so his entire house uh, was turned into this showroom for Macintosh equipment. It has a pool inside it where if you go in, you can see the pool from the ground floor. Um, you can see through the wall into the pool. Beyonce shot a music video there. I was invited there because they used my music video as a testing um, sample for for the uh, for the display system. You know how I bet Marks and Spell paid for that that house? Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre money. I'm getting. <laughs> you, you, you know the the much more important thing that he also directed. What did he do? I do not. Well, he's he's directed a lot of things. Yeah, so. he did a bunch of music videos as well, right? He directed the music video for Spice Up Your Life by the Spice Girls. Oh, which is a shit. a <laughs> wild video where they are like overlords in like a dystopian Blade Runner esque yep. future. And uh, yeah, th- that's uh, that that is my favorite Marcus Nisbell project. We, we got sidetracked, but 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 to the point there is that I like you have every reason to want to see the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. But like you, ha- maybe the reverence for the original, and I think that, I think that the reverence for the original is too, is too strong, but also the reverence for the original has something to do with the way it was made. Hmm. Whereas the remakes feel like they were made, uh, are kind of a, a corporate product. Uh, for, sure. for lack of a better term, they're, they're slick. They're, yeah. They are very slick, and they are corporate. You know, they are devised in a in a much grander way than the originals were. The originals' success were accidental, and that is part of the the joy of those films is like discovering them and going. This is a world outside of the studio productions that we are used to. So I think in that vein, I probably didn't see it for very similar reasons as you've just described. I think I was like, I love my Evil Dead trilogy. This is what it is. I also, even though I love the character of Ash and I love Bruce Campbell, I've read his books, I've done all the things, 
Uh, I actually randomly was at a signing, and I didn't mean to be, in Boston with a friend. There just happened to be a signing of if Chins Could Talk or whatever it was called. Could Kill. Could Kill. (laughs) And uh, he was just signing like around the corner of a place we were getting lunch, and I was like, oh. And I just went up, bought a book. And had him sign it, and I was like, "This is weird, but okay." Um, so, like, and but I, but I haven't watched Ash versus the Evil Dead, mm-hmm. the show. Like, I, I've seen the first like few episodes. Hey, Raimi directed the pilot. Yeah. Ooh. So, my, my, I guess my point being is, I feel like by the time now hit twenty twenty three, and this Evil Dead Rise came out, while I have reverence for the original trilogy, and I probably actively avoided the 2013 one and i haven't really interacted with either the tv show or the video game which people actually did really really like i think i was like i i feel like i almost like was on a reset cycle if that sort of makes sense on a personal level like i'm like no i'm okay with this now this isn't Evil Dead isn't defining my work or my personality at all. And now I'm just like, oh, cool. Yeah. Neat. I'd like to see what they do. <laughs> like, and and so I think when I went in, uh, I was oddly very it was weird. I wasn't excited until I was in the theater. Mm. And then I was like, ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then and then the audience that I was with uh was reacting. It was a, it, it was it was a Monday night. Mm-hmm. Um, so only like half the theater in Lincoln in theater one was like full. It was not a packed house by any means of the imagination. But like people were doing the groans and the screams and the, like all the stuff. And I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, but and I will say sort of circling back to um, what I think this movie does that what maybe you're describing in the 2013 one didn't pull off or forgot about. I do not think this is deep. And so please do not yeah. think I'm giving credit where, where credit is not due. I think the 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 amount that they cover parenting or the mother trying to kill the kids or motherhood in general, while it is a shallow, shallow portrayal, it is a consistent shallow portrayal. Like there is a through line through this movie about motherhood. And and also, weirdly enough, this is the first horror movie I've seen in a long time, I think, that has this amount of gore that has an actual child in it that is an actual <laughs> danger. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in in some way, okay. I, I, I've been trying to figure out how, how to even, like, hey. I'll, I'll get into this more as, yeah. as we go on. But I will say, while on the one hand, I genuinely think this movie needs to be nastier than it is. Okay, yeah. It also was mean yeah. in some way. Like I did not expect it to kill kids. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, as a brown person, the fact that there is this white blonde headed girl in it that must be protected at all costs in the movie is kind of anchoring itself around the uh-huh. protection of this girl. And outside of the uh, the apartment, uh, a young brown kid gets like murdered as a side joke, and then kind of comes back was a little bit like, hey, you know, come on, guys. Yeah. You know, like, it, it was a little bit discomfort. But I will say, for the first 20, 20 minutes of the movie, when I realized that this was uh, about a family, and, you know, the position was going to involve this mother of this family, because I'd seen the poster, I did think, hey, this is a really interesting place to take this. And I think, and I was like, oh, the stakes for me are much more interesting than the 2013 film already. Like, I'm actually actively invested in like what is going to happen to this family now that one of them is going to turn against the others. And I and I thought that was an interesting place to begin with. And but but kind of like you're talking about the 2013 version, it sort of feels like that is not 
that important once the Deadites appear. It's not a. It's not a. It's not important. It's it's the path. Yeah. Like I, I don't know. How, it's not. The, it's not the destination. It's the journey. No, that's not right. But, but, I, and then if you compare that to Ready or Not, which has, which which basically has sort of not the same kind of setup, but a setup. And then it follows through. That that setup becomes important as the film continues, right? This where the setup kind of feels like it's a night. It's a neat idea, but but what are we going to do with it? I so I I I also come into this from the I I think I don't I don't I don't love Ready or Not. I went to that like really excited, like yeah. having heard so many great things about it. I think it's I think it's fine. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a movie that that I really want to love. Sure. That that I it does a lot of things right. I I. I I, I I wish I I clicked with all of it, but um, but both of these I I think okay, I think uh, Ready or Not has like a a stronger protagonist and like a stronger setup, and I think it's the the execution that that frustrated me more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think like one thing I will say for Evil Dead Rise is the, I think it does a pretty solid like generally for a horror movie where we go to see it to be like let's watch people get eviscerated in like creative yeah. ways sure. we're not going to see it being like i'm i'm looking for like a really like you know probing like you know authentic like representation of like you know uh troubled family dynamics and mm, stuff sure. like that yeah, and yeah. It's like i think it does like a pretty solid job of like setting up the dynamics in this family setting up the like kind of like internal conflicts between like you know this mother and and her sister and stuff like that you you know the, each of the characters is like you know solidly established you get who everybody is you get what their role and everything and then you have the thing where it's like oh suddenly the mother is like taken out of the picture and now you know her sister has to kind of like step into that role and like take charge and protect the kids and and the, the unlike the 2013 one uh the main character does not just leave, disappear yeah. <laughs> and leave the, the group behind yeah. for most of the movie. And so the, the stuff where I think I wish they'd done more uh, was, and, and I don't have an answer. Like whenever I look at one of these things, I'm, I'm like, okay, I need to figure out like how I could have like improved the screenplay yeah. or whatever to make, because I, I do think, I do think there's like a great movie that could be made with the, the, with elements. the elements at play. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that as well. Yeah. And so like, because this idea of this mother trying to kill her children, this yeah. is like a, a, a single mother right. whose husband mm-hmm. fairly recently like bailed on them, trying to kill her children is an objectively horrifying idea. Yeah. And it does not feel as horrifying as I think it should. Yeah. And one thing that I've been... And I, I, I want to be careful about how I articulate this because there, there's multiple ways in the movie where I think it like it had the opportunity to like, you know, just be uh, on multiple levels, like like more upsetting to hit harder. Mm. And one thing that I, I thought that, that surprised me, Matt, you sat up suddenly. Sorry, I finished your thought, but I just had a really interesting Thing. I'm so I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to distract. For, for, for those at home, Matt like jumped up uh, as well, straight as an arrow. Something you just said <laughs> hit me really hard, and it's all about what we've been sort of circling. Wait, can I finish? finish, finish, finish please, 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 yeah. please, please. I want to hear what you're going to say, but I, I, I wanna, I wanted to get this that out. That was my fault. And I, I apologize. I, I wanna, I wanna be careful about this, and and also like be sure to quite qualify everything I'm saying. One thing that I thought was 
you know, interesting in a good way uh, that this movie does is is basically the the presentation of the various kids. Mm-hmm. The right. eldest kid, uh, her son, uh, is trans. Yeah. Um. Then and and the daughter is. I mean, is I, I guess her you know gender and sexual uh, orientation are like less clearly defined, but like you know, like. Is she really defined? I mean, like, other than having a like a a short haircut, she is. Her, I mean, if it were going trope wise, she's an activist. That's what right. I know about her. Right, exactly. She, she's she's like strong. She has a, a, there's a t- I think is a feminism is not a choice or something. Yes. Feminism is. A, I can't remember what the phrasing is. Is is on adorned on her wall. Exactly, but she's yeah. you know very political, very you know like very strong into like you know feminist mm-hmm. activism. Yeah, and um, and these are things that. Are, because again, the whole thing with deadites is they're assholes, yes. and they possess people yep. to then make them like awful versions of themselves. Yeah, yeah. And they have this material, and, and again, I don't. <laughs> I'm not saying, oh my god, they should have a mother be be suddenly be really transphobic. I'm not <laughs> saying that, but but like what I did find interesting is that the movie sets up these things to create potential, yeah. like conflicts and it's a horror movie potential upsetting stuff that could like really sting and be like hard to like really hard to watch and it doesn't actually do anything with that on the one hand you know it, it is totally a valid argument that it's just like it's cool that they can just like have it a trans character where it's never no one ever says anything about her. it's just completely normal and i do think that's great but also this is all material that the movie presents itself to have the possessed mother, it's, you know, it's, it's like Chekhov's, attack. It's Chekhov's gun without the execution. Exactly. Yeah. And it's these. And I'm just like, if if this if the mother was suddenly because she's saying harsh stuff about everybody else. Well, she's saying harsh stuff about her sister, like a uh, lot. Just about her sister, but she doesn't really go in on the kids. And and seeing a mother go, especially <laughs> these kids who whose father is is out of the picture. Their sole parent who they care about so much who is supposed to protect them and care about them like having her really go in on and like like there's one there is one line she does have one line about um what does she say she says something about like you you titty draining freaks oh general childhood thing it wasn't titty draining parasites it wasn't to their specific personality no it was based on yeah parasites i mean and also that was the one line where i was like okay that is because because that, you're right. That, that's a good line too. Like that got a whole a reaction from yeah, my audience. Yeah. But but it's you're right. And, and Matt, I want to get to your thing as well. But you're right because the the issue here is that the didites. So, so narratively, there whether it's deep or meaningful or not, whether it's just an association, the way this works best is when the antagonists, the didites, are clearly in opposition to the protagonist in some way, and that is not the case here. In, in so much as the antagonist could be anyone and the did it doesn't like the didites almost have no discernible personality and and I think that is um you know I I, I think about uh, again the other film the descent um the descent yes the Neil yeah, Marshall yeah, film yeah, 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 which yeah, yeah. you know has these creatures uh you know spoilers for that movie appear what? but at the heart of it is this inner conflict of the of, of this group that is long gestating which manifests itself 
through these antagonists. The descent is more, <laughs> far more terrifying in the first half of the film, I think, than the second half of the film. I uh, I will we'll get into yeah, that. But yeah. I mean, I, I do. I mean, the, the thing is, like, I agree with you because that cave stuff oh is god. so stressful. Yeah. Oh god. At any rate, you jumped, so I jumped upright. up, and I, and I feel like I've lost half of it. But I'm going to get <laughs> sorry, back here. Sorry. So, no, no, no. Oh, wait, can I say one more thing? <laughs> Just because I don't want to be canceled for mm. what I'm saying. Okay. Because I, I feel like I am advocating that marginalized groups should have been attacked more in this movie. No, I don't. Be I didn't read it as that. Okay. Because. Again, this would clearly be be like a bad thing that that like we're not. And that's to what be the bad supportive. characters would do. Right. Exactly. Right. I, I all all I am saying is that uh, the I, I think this movie would have like resonated stronger on an emotional level and been and been a more visceral experience if they had used the, like the material they themselves ha had set up and uh, and made us really fucking hate these deadites had to have them actually be like really awful antagonists. That is what I'm saying. So I, I think this is, I, I, I'm going to sort of uh, spin around because when you were saying uh, part of the stuff you were saying before is when I jumped up. It's because this is so strange. I'm going to say it and I'm going to back around. It's because it's an evil dead movie. We were talking about before, why does this have to be an Evil Dead movie? It doesn't. But it doesn't focus on any of these other things that we're talking about. I think because, and this might, again, I haven't seen the 2013, so this is me without that context. Evil Dead movies are phenomenal on a bunch of different levels. But what they're not going to do is go real hard and real deep into anything social. They, I, I, you, you can, you can equate things to it. You can, you can put things into it. But I really don't think that that like that's ever their bread and butter. But here, you're right, Patrick. They set it up, and the the literal the, the one of the defining characteristics of the Deadites is their fucking assholes who will take your personality and whatever you are about and twist it. And 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 they're also like minorly psychic, so they'll just fuck with you about things. It's like standardized possession stuff. Again, it's not the most inventive thing in the world, but like. This movie doesn't do that. Also, while and I do want to give a shout out to uh, Alyssa Sutherland who plays the mother, who yeah. plays the like fucking amazing, an, an impressive performance. Yeah. yeah. But here's the thing: the any interaction between her or the kids once she's a deadite, there's never any feeling that she's their mother anymore outside of literal dialogue. Mm. Emotionally, mm. I'm not even. You know what fucking did it to me was when the little girl goes yeah. and talks to her at the at yeah. the at the peephole, and I was like, "This little girl is not acting like this woman was ever her mother. Yeah, she's acting like she's curious about a stranger who's talking nice and offering her candy. Yeah, and yeah. again, that's no that's no that is no shade to the actress. That is no shade to any of that stuff. It's just they went as shallow as mother parent, and and that's fine. It's fine if it was funny. Well, or so, for, you know, like, and, and the funny thing to be, and I, and I bring up the funny thing, not be, because the funny thing is where this becomes an entertaining watch. And, you know, like, like, and that's what the evil deeds do. The original, you know, the Sam yeah, Raimi yeah, yeah. evil deeds is that they're, is they're entertaining to watch. I and, found... I, and, and I didn't have anything here that made this entertaining. When the comedy was forced, when I felt like they were trying to emulate comedy from from the older mm. Evil Deads, i.e. the eyeball getting spit out yeah. and choked and whatever, 
I rolled my eyes that I had still in my skull. I was like, this isn't this movie. This this feels like you're trying to do an homage. Whereas actually, in, in a lot of ways, I thought the homages and the and the reference and the nostalgia little drops that they did were really kind of limited and respectful. Like there wasn't a ton of other than like they reference Dead by Dawn and they do like a couple other lines. And she says, come get some. Come get some. That's great. Like, fine. But like then there's just like if you want them, there's also like little things like the pizza box that they go order pizza from is from Henrietta's Pizza. Right. Henrietta is the wife of the doctor who uh, locked her in the basement in the Evil Dead 2. She's I the think. one who says Dead by Dawn. Yeah. Like like there's there's but like that's that's the level of reference I want. What I don't yes. want is here's a fairly serious film and, I, and this is weird that we're kind of like like ranging comedy here but like the eyeball scene is slapstick evil dead is slapstick yep this movie is not slapstick and not at all yeah. and, and i i i did laugh a decent amount in, in no this. no but here's the thing i laughed too but there was only one to maybe one and a half moments of slapstick there was comedy, like the 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 lines that the deadites were saying on occasion, like the 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 titty sucking parasite or whatever, yeah. is funny, but it's also mean. <laughs> like it, that, like worked in the world that they had built, yeah. and there were moments where I was like, and actually, it was really the last fifteen minutes too with the. <sighs> Okay, we're spoilers. I haven't even said what the IMDb we description is. Yeah, sure. But but the 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 end of this film. Spoilers at fifty minutes into this podcast. There's a wood chipper in the basement of or in the parking garage of their LA apartment. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Is that a Fargo reference? Fa- like I look, and, but like it's a perfect this is the thing. Uh from a visual perspective and the gags that they're trying to do, it is a perfect device. It just doesn't quite fit in the world that they'd done. Just like, for instance, the slapstick didn't really fit. The chainsaw, while it is a staple and should fit. You know why the chainsaw works in Evil Dead? Because it takes place in a fucking cabin. Right. Yeah. And here, I'm not saying that there couldn't be a chainsaw in an L.A. apartment building that's ready for demolition, but it feels a little bit weird. It's also, you know, like we talked about Scream 6 last week, uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, where the point was to bring Ghostface into the city and to see what havoc could be wreaked upon the city by Ghostface, you know, but by the fact that people would ignore it. Yeah. There's nothing about the fact that this is an L.A. apartment that makes you go... Oh, what's different about this? Like the the for, for all intents and purposes, it's still kind of a cabin in the woods. The woods just happen to be L.A. and and <laughs> they don't have that many neighbors. The neighbors are dispatched pretty quickly, so then they're basically still just isolated yeah. in in an apartment that's about the size of a cabin. But what yeah. I did love is that <laughs> what you just described. I was like in my head every time I thought about that element. I'm like, that's clever, Evil Dead. Like, I, look, you could you can poke holes in the plot, and I will too. But like, yeah, they could have gone out this way, this way, this way. But like, rainstorm, things fucked. The things ready for demolition, so the whole building is bad. There was an earthquake, so there's a bunch of other things, and they only have a few neighbors left, and all this stuff. But I was like, what cool, granted, very contrived, but still fun ways to get people limited and trapped and alone in an apartment building. And yeah. I was just like, it feels like Evil Dead. But it's in an apartment building, and I was, I was just, I just, every time I thought about it, I smiled. There, there are also, and I feel like, okay, I'm assuming that if you're a person who enjoys horror movies to to any, it's not even movies, the horror genre sure. yeah. to to some extent, that everyone has certain like 
like tropes or subgenres that they just like really kind of resonate with that they're just like like that's kind of their sweet spot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I I have mine. And so I personally was very happy uh, to see well, like when they established early on, like, ooh, this is a really old building with a whole history to it. Turns out it used to be a bank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. This uh this earthquake opens up a hole under like the parking garage and there's like now suddenly there's access to this bank and all these like old all the stuff that was stored there. Just like I, I yeah. love when there's history mm-hmm. to a place, especially spooky history. Yeah. yeah. And so that initial premise, again, that's something that doesn't even have to be an Evil Dead movie. It could be it could be anything. Just yeah. like any apartment building that has some spooky history. And I thought the thing of like a bank and safety deposit boxes, that's clever. Yeah. That's it's a also cool... a great narrative device because like yeah. you could open each one of those boxes and tell a story. I yeah. know. Do an antho- do it. Yeah, do do some anthology movie where each safety deposit box is like Yo. a different a different short. Yeah. But I uh, but it, it's things like this and I I feel like I'm being too harsh on this movie because it like actually here's one thing I want to get into because I want to know how you guys feel about this. Um especially Shahir because you're a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And um because again, I think this is like I had a fun time watching this movie. Also, there are uh, uh, people puke up three different colors of stuff in this mm-hmm, movie, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm giving it a positive score. Just <laughs> right. like 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 three colors of puke, it passes the Patrick test. Okay, but um, <laughs> I, I, I I always I, I always wonder when we do that because we've done puke gags before. Is we always think about what has the person been eating, yeah, and and like what is the story of what they've been eating, and then we have to con- we have to work backwards from that. But you know, yeah, g- continue. But uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, I I just I, I always find specifically vo- I, I'm endlessly fascinated by vomiting in movies, just like how it's done. Mm-hmm. I've uh, I also uh, back in was it 2016, I made a YouTube video where um the. the so, so this is a stupid yeah. tangent, but I, I, I'm personally very proud of this. Where the premise was that it was like a really stupid react video, where someone was doing a reaction to uh, the Collateral Beauty trailer, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, it, so it, we had to do it all in like one unbroken shot, like it was just done like that. But um, and then uh, the car- the person just like starts like vomiting uncontrollably <laughs> and just like spraying vomit all over his MacBook Pro. And uh, and we we had this very complicated contraption with yeah. a person sitting under the desk with like a trigger yeah. for to operate the vomit. It was like, and so I'm just like I I think vomiting specifically because it's so tough to rig it like out of a mouth. Yep. Yeah. Um. I, I'm just like that's such an interesting effect, and I think it's funny. <laughs> and so like when this movie had three different uh, types of vomit get thrown up, I, I was like, cool. Whatever other faults this movie has. <laughs> like like I'm having a good time. Yeah. But uh but the thing that I wanted to bring up because and then I found myself thinking about while watching this movie is that you know we we've talked before about how unlike the the first two Evil Dead movies in particular um you know this is like a not that this isn't a blockbuster but this is a a Hollywood studio production that has a budget. It is slick, it is you know it it has like this is not a scrappy indie production. Right. Yeah. And something that I found while watching this, and I think this is this is, I'm not saying goes for like all current horror movies, but this is I think fairly common mm-hmm. with like studio horror movies, is that the the post production work on this movie, the sound design in particular, mm-hmm. and uh, and the editing to an extent, 
I find are very they're really heightened. The mm. the sound design in particular is very to me it was reminiscent of like movie trailer sound design sure. where it's like you'll he okay you'll see a picture of a knife and hear a shing yeah. sound effect mm-hmm. that kind of thing. It's all like it and so because it the presentation is like that it is like a it makes it a very like kind of you know, kinetic watch. There's like the, the sound kind of steers you the whole time. It's like it's very well put together. And I find that it is like it is so polished that it kind of it creates this like veneer across the surface of the movie that like hmm. prevents me from it from like hitting as viscerally immediately from me, prevents me from connecting with it as as much as I would like to, because in a way it's kind of like a movie trailer where it's like like it is this the sound design is so kind of artificial it's cartoonish it is cartoonish and i'm like if i feel like if these scenes just kind of like played out a little bit more naturalistically some of the stuff in it that is like look someone gets like their leg torn up with a cheese grater that should have been grosser and more uncomfortable than it was. Yeah. There's stuff in here that if you like read the description of it, you're like, oh God, that, that sounds awful. Yeah. And then it it doesn't hit as hard in the actual movie. And I think just the 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 level of polish mm. done with this is actually kind of getting in the way. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense. It's uh, also edited like it, it, it's not that it's like choppy, disorienting ending. It's just like it moves so quickly that it doesn't linger on these moments yeah. as much. Yeah, the, the the moment for me is when the uh, sickened child is biting a wine glass oh, and swallowing it. Yeah, and and when I was watching, I was going, I to me that is a horrifying thought, right? And and I should be and, and like the cheese grated thing. You know, going, Ugh, you know, like I should be physically wincing, but I'm not in, in the scene. And I, and I, as you were talking about it, I thought about, um, <laughs> I thought about uh, William Friedkin making The Exorcist and uh, bringing in the sound designer from uh, Alejandro Hodorowsky's El Topo to do the Nick Spin sound effect. And they were trying to figure out the Nick Spin sound effect for, for forever. They couldn't figure it out. And uh, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but uh, he's Hodorowsky's sound mixer. Comes in, he grabs William Friedkin's wallet, and he holds it up to the microphone, and he rips the inseam, the leather inseam, and that is the sound mm. that is used to oh. um, to do the, the the Nick the Nick spin. I want to watch this movie again now. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, for that. yeah, yeah. And 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 what I'm thinking about there is that that was a creation of both ingenuity and, inven- you know, it was an invention that they had to come up with in order to make that work. Whereas I think what you're describing here is that there was a sound library, that yeah. a, a familiar sound library that, that, that prevents the invention. And I think it's the same way in which we watch Evil Dead and we go, how did they do this? Not that, because we know that people with more money would be able to achieve this, but these guys had no money and it's clearly evident they had no money as you watch the movie. But and so and so when they do something that is big like that, and you know, I, and again, my reference here is the lawnmower gag in Brain Dead for Peter Jackson, where you go, Whoa, that is such a huge effect that no big movie would have the cojones to do. Yeah. And in this case, I think you're watching and going, Well, I think what we're talking about is the expectation game that comes in with a studio based movie versus the expectation that comes in with something that is not that is, you know, that is independent. Um, 
And we're watching this with the expectation going, this should be, I, I should be either more physically wincing or there's something missing here. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's that's the feeling you're getting with, with the sound effects library kind of idea of this. And um, I'm thinking about, you know, the, the I remember seeing Eli Roth's film, what was it called? Uh, Cabin... Kevin uh, Fever. Kevin, Kevin Fever. Fever. And I think that, as much as I'm not a, the biggest fan of that movie, I think that did have like... It was scary. It, it, th- that is no deeper than this movie. Right. Mm-hmm. But there's a sort of sense of invention and a pushing of the boundaries of what is of what they are capable of on screen. And, and that is not a sense that you get out of this movie. You, th- in this movie, you get a sense that this is... W- Entirely within the purview of what is capable here, right? right? And, and I think uh, you know that that to me is kind of missing. Back. And then with that, I think the sort of inv- like Raimi's comedic sensibilities, you know, which harken back to slapstick Hollywood comedy, mm-hmm. is kind of rare and it's surprising and it kind of hits you in a way where you're like, I don't think I've seen anything like this before. Mm-hmm. And that is not evident here, like. Um, you know, I, I'm th- when you were talking earlier about like the movie needing to be more more mean spirited, I think you you need kind of a very confident hand to do that. And Ari Aster and Hereditary made a very mean spirited movie, yeah, but was able to do it because of the cojones to do it. You know what I mean? Right. You know, like, and that's not that that's you know a mother attacking her children in this movie does not feel as. Um, uh, not socially disruptive. It but doesn't feel like a mother attacking her children. Yeah, it doesn't feel. It doesn't feel dangerous. Yeah, I, you know, like there's no sense of danger to uh, it. I, I, I felt that there was danger. Not compared to hereditary. No, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Even to Patrick's point, that's hereditary. That's like almost psychologically dangerous as well as physically dangerous. Yeah, I did feel there was physical danger going toward the kids. I just never mm. after the after mm. the dead I turned. I never like in my head coded it as oh my god that's their mother. Wait, so so here's a question now. Um, in terms of, okay, in terms of studio horror films, mm. as in we're not counting A24 yep, uh, movies here. Fine. Yeah. Um, what, what were, what are recent studio horror movies that actually, that, that you found, like, th- that really gave you that sort of, like, 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 visceral like uncomfortable or dangerous experience are like actual like like made an impression on you i would say on the lighter end the ones that are actually kind of fun to watch are the final destination movies and and those are, are <laughs> yeah. not that recent the, those aren't that recent no. but they but they have that kind of like inventiveness yeah uh, where, where you kind of go oh i haven't i i'm not sure what i'm in for here um, I, I think those movies, you know, in terms of like, they're they so-so movies, but they kind of function, you know, very well on that level of like, I am here to see some really interesting kills and they provide me with very, very interesting kills. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually, well, one thing, I haven't watched it in a while, but in terms of the exact dynamic that, that, uh, Evil Dead Rise sets up of like, you know, a possessed mother, uh, endangering her kids, um, I feel like the first Conjuring yeah. did that pretty effectively. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. yeah, first Conjuring is great. I, I think the first Conjuring is also, yeah, it's far more entertaining on a, it, it has a bitter sense of suspense yeah. than, than, than this film does. It really like sits up like, we are going to expect something terrible to happen and it's gonna, we're going to take our time and feed it out to you. 
Um, in terms of studio movies, yeah, again, Final Destination comes to mind. I mean, th- there are like parts, in, in particular, just the the face cutting scene in the 2013 Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. But I just I I I've forgotten most of that movie, but I, I still just remember that being at least more like. Sure. Uh, uh, just harder to watch. I mean, one thing I will give the movie credit for is something you mentioned at the beginning, Matt, which was that you did genuinely, as much as I, I've, I've also mentioned, like some of the distaste I had for the fact that one kid is killed almost, uh, you know, as a side gag. Unceremonious. One get ripped off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, then, uh, and then another kid is kind of constantly in danger. As, as as a filmmaker, I was sitting there watching as like the pragmatics of how do we execute this scene with this kid in it. Mm-hmm. And you can see that they actually really push that line very, very far, which is that they ensure that you are always aware of the girl in the scene, but very carefully don't put her in direct confrontation of the horrors that are happening. Yeah. They're very good. They're very it's a very, very hard thing to do and very you know because like the easy thing to do would be to put her in another room and then have stuff happen and then come back to her right but they keep her in the scenes through some very smart editing so i did think again the idea that she was in the scenes and the amount of blood that we were having to like she was having to swim in was kind of like part of the part of the that was the most uncomfortable thing for me that was the most sort of like oh they are really pushing the limits of what's possible here yeah um but in yeah, and I think your question of like, what is a studio film that does that recently? I yeah, other than Final Destination, I'm not coming to one immediately. Again, write us in at only movie podcast <laughs> at gmail.com if you I have your suggestions. I don't think there is one. I think part of what makes a horror film feel like it is dangerous or feel like like that level of like, oh my god, can anything happen? <laughs> is almost the independent style of it. Like right. I don't, and I don't know if that is just comes from doing a fucking movie podcast for eight years and watching films critically for literally my entire adult life, where I'm like, oh well, a bit, this is a larger studio movie. This is originally going to go to HBO Max, but people really liked it, so now they're going to move it over here and do an actual theatrical release. And this is a bunch of money, and Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell are executive producing and all. Like, like I'm knowing it all in the sort of back of my head, and therefore I can't like. There's no like chance for me to be surprised or scared in that way. In, yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm now having to go through a list of be like, okay, so what did come out? Yeah, what in the was past what did it? Or so, um, again, skipping over like uh, yeah, 24s. A, a, a24s. <laughs> That's so, the hard part. So yeah. we're skipping things like Hereditary. We're even skipping like like Green Room, yeah. which I found to be like a a really yeah. intense experience. Yeah. Um. Oh, you know, you know who Mike Flanagan with um. Uh, Gerald's Game. I still haven't seen that one. It's, good. it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Uh, that that's one where I think um, there's a sequence in there which has more of the thing that you're sort of describing, which is that there's a certain level of squeamish. It's and you know what's funny? It's not just the sound design that actually does this. It's the it's the sort of storytelling execution that matters here. Like, how do we set this up? How do we understand the parameters? When we talked about Avatar: The Way of Water, we talked about the fact that James Cameron is so good. Is so brilliant at setting up the parameters for which an action scene will take place, mm-hmm. in. so that when something surprising happens in it, it's it's a surprise to you because you're like, oh shit, this thing was there, and I think part of that has to do with the storytelling of it all. You know, again, Mike Flanagan in, in Gerald's Game, where we understand what the parameters are for this horrible thing that's going to happen, and and he 
play, you know, he he stretches it out for as long as it can go because it's uncomfortable. Again, Ariaster and Hereditary, yeah, with the with the the piano wire, you know, like sits it up quietly, stretches it out. We don't quite understand what's happening, and then we have to like understand it in our brain. You know, like we have to like come to terms with it in our brain. We have to do a little bit of the work here. In this in this film, she's eating a piece of glass, and we see the piece of glass go through, and that's kind of it. You know, you know, like I think I think there's a I did wince I, at that. I know, I but but <laughs> at the same time, I feel like because again, it's it's a studio movie, so they have the resources. To, and I'm not saying that they need to set up to just be like this is going to be the grossest, the bloodiest thing yeah. of all time, but it is. It's tricky. I, I actually, in terms of studio horror movies, I am going to say um, I found uh, the 2020 Invisible Man right. really yeah. effective. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Uh, studio movie. Yep. You know, solid budget and everything, and like actually like good but, storytelling. Like, good storytelling With and a like hokey premise that just worked because the storytelling was so good. Exactly, and that that I found like. Like in particular, one scene genuinely shocking and upsetting. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I, the 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 restaurant, the restaurant scene. Also, yeah. I, I, my I, favorite thumbnail we've ever done for this podcast. Yeah, I, I gotta like this. <laughs> um, but but I'm trying to think specifically of like because Evil Dead has been, and you know, I I, I say this word with love. It's like it has always come from the realm of like schlocky horror yeah. movies. Yeah. These are so far from elevated horror movies even if like like this movie like is like classying up evil dead simply by putting the bare minimum of like family dynamics in there <laughs> because again evil dead 2 a movie that i think is an absolute masterpiece like one of the great horror movies of all time the premise is just like i don't know some doofus <laughs> and his girlfriend who dies five minutes in go to a cabin <laughs> yeah and then some other dumb people show up as well that there's nothing there yeah. Yeah. and so it, like it's all about the execution and just like the like the joy of the like of the experience and um and i do feel like like the more i talk about it i didn't i haven't thought about i saw this movie like a, almost a week ago, a week six, ago six days ago yeah and so i haven't thought about it that much since then and now i so i'm like i'm now like we're it's I'm bringing it back in my mind and now kind of unpacking all these thoughts that I haven't really talked to anyone about. I am kind of thinking now that it's like, okay, I feel like if you're going to do one of these, but on a studio level, you've got to go like really crazy with it. Like, like truly crazy because you can, because you have the re okay. He, he, what, what honestly, the thing that I fought, probably found like the most, like the, 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 I, I think I winced at the most in this movie, is the thing that we have not mentioned at all Ooh. this entire time: <laughs> the opening of the movie. Because the the movie has a weird, oh, right, right, yeah, it yeah. has a weird structure yeah. in that the movie starts at a cabin, yeah, in yeah. classic Evil Dead style. Oh, yeah, actually, sorry. And, and I will say, I think has a pretty terrific title reveal. Oh, yeah. The title reveal is great. And then it jumps to 24 hours earlier. Yeah. And then... Uh, yeah. And then it has the whole movie play out. And then in the like the last scene, it sets up the opening, uh, the prologue that, that we saw. That book ending thing is, is own, all... it's only there to be like, look, we got a cabin in the movie. Yeah, yeah. That's you you got to have a cabin. But that said... I I had a pretty good time with that little opening cabin. It, it, it's much more classic Evil Dead of like, 
people in young people in their 20s at a cabin but again i was saying like you know we've all got our our little like you know uh our our, our tropes our things for yeah. horror movies and i feel like we also have our our every person has their particular things that make them wince the most. Yeah. One of mine is just, uh, people being scalped. Yep. Yeah. That's and, Hannibal, um, you must love Hannibal. And, um, <laughs> you know what? That, that one, like, <laughs> you know, he's careful about it. He's very, well, he's meticulous. He's exactly. Meti- yeah, he's meticulous. Exactly. And he's preparing a meal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, look, uh, Ray Liotta has a great time there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I, uh, but 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 this has like uh, a a pretty brutal scalping of someone who then is not dead. Yeah, and um, you know, we we did an episode um many years ago called Horrors for Gore, where we talked about our primal fears when it comes to horror movies. Yeah, I and this, and I actually thought about this as I was watching it, which was that this movie contains two. Uh, one each of Matt and I's most primal fears when it comes to horror movies. Can I guess? Sure. Is one of them losing an eyeball? Maybe on the Matt side. I, I, I remember yours was sort of like a broad term that I remembered uh, very vividly, and mine was also mine was. Uh, what was my broad term? Now I'm questioning what I said. You you said this thing. I, I may have been on that episode, but maybe on another episode. You said. The thing that really makes you squeamish is when somebody's insides becomes their outsides. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. I was like, oh, well, this movie contains that in spades. Mm-hmm. Their insides become the outside. For me, one of my most terrifying fears it comes from the movie The Omen, when Ooh, a person a um, uh, is unable to control hurting themselves. Like, that is, that is, like, the most fearful thing. And this movie has that in spades. But I did not find it... Psychologically uh, wincing or or scary or or anything. I wonder if it's because of the deadites. Like I wonder if. But 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 that's exactly in the omen the same sort of the same principle, which is that there is the there is this power in the world that can cause you to harm yourself beyond your best ability. But in the omen, and correct me if I'm wrong. It's kind of a battle with a demon of someone who's still alive. Well, it's Damien. Damien has yeah. these forces around him. Whereas here, when the deadites are hurting themselves, the person's already dead, the and they make it very dead. clear. Like It's almost like a more sentient, intelligent, but, but dickish zombie. She, you're right. and But she says, um, I have to... There are bugs in my tummy, and I have to get them out. Right? And then she's eating the glass. I, I think she's doing that. It's weird. I took that as the dead eye just fucking with them. Yeah. But I, again, what I'm saying is yeah. as a primal fear, yeah, yeah. that should be like, that is one of my number one fears is, is like someone who is out of control of, you know, like out of control of their body and, and hurting yeah. themselves. That is like, that, that to me is terrifying. Mm-hmm. But, and this movie has spades of it. But I found, I found it fairly, you know, I sat through it with a sort of like, oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. Interesting. Um. Oh. Also. Uh. Sorry. I. I keep remembering more. Uh. Studio horror movies from okay, the last no. decade. We need these. Um. Uh. This one. It's. It, you know. You. It could be called more of a sci-fi movie. But I think. Um. In terms of just like. Uh. Bad things happening to human bodies. That Alien Covenant. Right. Is yeah. like. Is 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 a more visceral experience. Yeah. Sure. Than Weird, this. Ridley yeah. Scott. Yeah. yeah. 
I, I was thinking, um, you, you know, it's funny because we, we've been talking about the, the cyclical nature of horror movies that are being brought back from the 70s into today. And, you know, The Thing was another one that um, doesn't have the same resonant experience, right? Like the, the, the way that the, origin, the John Carpenter version did. I'm glad you brought this up because one thing we haven't talked about that I wanted to bring up, uh, a, th- a, a thing that I thought was like, sorry, I, I feel like I'm ragging on this movie. But like, <laughs> um, a thing that I, that I did think was a little bit disappointing about the movie because it had so much potential is because they kind of build it up. In the climactic scene of the movie, mm-hmm. the the various possessed people kind of fuse together yeah. into one being, yeah. and they hold off on you seeing it for a while. and And it's clear, which but, I I appreciated, yeah. like like when, when I, I I could tell this is what was happening. I'm like, okay, they're not just doing a big CGI goop thing, mm-hmm. which is good because mm-hmm. no one wants that. Yeah. But then when you do see it, it's like they. It's not much. It's, it's what you expect it to be. It is, <laughs> but it is the exact setup to do just like John Carpenter's The, the Thing, thing yeah. style stuff. And I'm, I'm just like, I'm sorry, but like if, if a, a 2023 studio film cannot even come close to equaling mm. the effects of the... 1982 <laughs> uh you know movie yeah. the thing with so much more money and also 40 years of like advancements and everything i'm just like come on guys it's like 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 you show you you show someone today the thing who hasn't <laughs> seen it before and when those tentacles are shooting out yeah, yeah. when that guy's torso was opening up and biting the dude's hands off People lose their minds. They're like, holy shit, I didn't know this was possible in a movie, and this movie is 40 years yeah. old. Yeah, yeah. Why could they not... When those bodies fuse together into, like, this little, like, creature thing that you that you can't even really, like, get a, a good look at, why can't it even approach that? Why, why can't they try, aspire to be like the thing? So... Oh, Matt, sorry. I was just going to say, I mean, it's because... This is my my take on that exact question. They don't think they need to. I think they're wrong. Like I, the the what I wanted. I was having actually high high hopes for that creature because the they do a lot of very 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 cool like you know minimalist reveals of tiny bits of it when it's walking around the car. Although that scene in and of itself is dumb because like they rotate the car like a couple times and it's like quiet and rotate and quiet. I'm like okay, they're just circling the fucking car like three times. But that when the hands are all walking, there's like little uh, little speci- specificities. Like one of the hands is broken and it's walking on yeah, its yeah, on its yeah. like the back of its hand. And I was like, yes, because this isn't a thing that's natural. This is something that they're just like it's utilizing these body parts. I also loved that they tease this and they set it up even from the beginning because the first creepy thing that the mom says is like, I had the dream of the perfect day. I, I cut you all open and then we were walling inside one big happy family yep, and then yep. they become the fucking that. thing. Yeah. Except for the fact that it's like this other family from outside. No, I don't know if they, no, they weren't involved in the monster. It was just the two kids. It was it, the mom and the two kids. Yeah, no, but when she says that, she says that to her family and then she cuts open, uh, well, the the other family that was outside. No, no, no. That's her two kids ripping her open. No, no. That's that's the kid outside. The two kids outside. I don't 
think so. Yeah, it is because it's 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 the two kids outside. It's right? the like, no, it's the son and the daughter. I saw it longer ago than any of you. <laughs> well, I, right I, us in the right right podcast yeah. gmail.com. But the 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 thing where onto your question, Patrick, of like why can't they do that? The truth is, and this I, I really do believe this, they could do that, but for whatever reason, they don't. And I think it's because they don't think maybe this movie specifically or or whatever that like that level of uh, at that point the movie felt way more like the what it thought the important thing was was let's make some pastiches or homages or whatever you want to say to ash she becomes weirdly very ash like in the end of the movie i mean it's not weird i mean it was kind of expected yeah. like all the focus is now on the main character getting a chainsaw saying a line and being a badass and getting fucking covered in blood. So it's almost like that like the the creature itself is an afterthought because it's not like the creature itself was a neat thing that they call they're like when they're probably writing the script they're like oh yeah this would be cool because like the callback and yada yada yada. It's not a better monster. It's not faster, it's not better at killing, it's not scarier. There's no like the deadites have no point in doing that other than like Oh, well, like this might be fun. Like, there's also, no, there's think, no reason for it. I think Slash Film pointed this out as well. Is like the uh, the fact that the Didites, in theory and metaphysical sense, can fill up the elevator with blood is like it's a weird. It was like, oh, what is the power set here? I don't think. Like, I I, I try not to. We're get not hung gonna. Up on, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, too hung up on this. Again, it's, it, it's it, not much of the Shining, but, whatever. But it is also sort of just, just the Evil Dead thing of just like the rules are always yeah. very loose. Yeah, yeah, and it's, not like like this is not about rules and mythology. Yeah. yeah, and I mean honestly, it's one of those things where I'm like I'm not trying to like uh you know dunk on is it Lee Cronin the director yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and uh, who we have not mentioned this night. It's his, it's his first uh, feature. Is it his no, first no, feature? it's not his first. He he what had a feature at Sundance that uh, okay that did well. And again, I also want to say. A I think he does. Ground? Yeah, I think he does a really good job here. He like I think I, I think I think it, he understands the assignment. Sorry, I think he understands the assignment. I think it is again. There are so many like shitty horror movies that are not shot well. Yeah. that are that, that that are not directed. Like like this is like here's the thing. I think this this guy could genuinely have like like. Based on this movie, you could hand this guy honestly like like a hundred million dollar yeah. like 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 a sci-fi action movie, and he could probably do a good job. Yeah. I think this guy is like very capable and like could have a very promising career. Um, and honestly, it, it, like there's always the chance that like he wrote this in there, intended it to be a a a, a the thing esque thing, yep. and then the I don't know the like the effects team didn't really deliver because it's like, I don't think like none of that is like directed poorly. It's just, I wish this thing, I wish the design and execution of this thing were stronger. This was supposed to be a streaming movie. Uh, well, well, I mean, it's a weird pandemic thing yeah, where, sure. it, where it's like, to be fair, Everything was. Every HBO, every Warner Brothers movie was going to be a streaming movie. But they movie. were still going to release it streaming now, and then it had such good tests that, that is they true. Didn't. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if that plays into, like, budget or what they're going to do or pull off at the end of the thing or how much money they'll pump into it at the end. I, I mean, there's so many different factors. I just, I, I think the thing, the thing, Ooh. is that it's... Um, you said the thing. Is is that there's sort of two competing ideologies here. One is that Evil Dead should not be, you know, should be a rip-roaring time, you know? Ash comes in, he's got a chainsaw for a hand. Hail to the king, You baby. know, he, he rips people apart, and it's meant to be 
fun and entertaining and you kind of you're on side with it so that is the that is the the, the origin point for where this is coming from then you've got uh 2013's evil dead which is you kind of noted is deadly serious about like the type of horror that we're going to do and you know has some sort of like inkling towards a more meaningful setup to that film and and those two things aren't coalescing here in the right way because one way to do this is to make it not an evil dead movie uh, and to 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 really lean into the seriousness of what we're dealing with here and to make it visually squeamish on a very uncomfortable level a la hereditary or something like that or the other side which it also doesn't achieve is 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 kind of get to the kind of slapstick ash with a chainsaw you know like running around with you know buckets of blood everywhere in a way that is actually kind of like you know a roaring good time at the movies and it doesn't achieve that either so i think there's just this like two competing two competing ideologies with reference to the why doesn't this look better we actually met you and i had an argument about this a long time ago was it about the t1000 it was about the t1000 okay yeah it was a, we we had a long argument about the t1000 <laughs> <laughs> and 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 the point wait, wait, what's the argument for the T-1000? We all like it. That's the thing. We, we, all, we exactly, 100%. We, we 100% like we it. We 1,000%. And we say, and I think the argument, the basis of that argument was, why is it the T-1000 looks so good with technology that was in, you know, 20, 30 years old, and why does the, the newest updates of these do not look good? And my argument is... Or as is, good. As good at all. And my argument has always been is that the technology is a thousand times better today. In fact, the rendering speed, the capabilities for physics and um, the mathematical possibilities of how you do these effects is, is far more advanced today. What made it work back then is that the storytelling was good. The storytelling set up the parameters for why we were in awe of the T-1000 and we were trained to be in awe of the T-1000 when it appeared on screen. And now we are not... The, the movies themselves are doing a disservice to to those effects by not having us be in awe. And again, take James Cameron with Avatar Way of the Water and the way we are in awe of of the way water is displayed in that film. You know what I mean? And so that and 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 my point here is that with regards to the Evil Dead Rises, that effect that we're seeing doesn't hold up to um, John Carpenter's The Thing because we are the the movie is not training us to be in awe or terrified of this thing. I think the thing that you mentioned where, is that, where the hand was flipped upside down and was kind of dragging, that's one moment where you'd be like, oh, I'm learning something about this, or I'm discovering my yeah. brain is having to do some of the work here to figure this out, and I'm actually having to put some of the pieces together. But beyond that, it kind of doesn't. So that, that's, that's a, the, you know, a sort of contextual thing that I think is important here. I mean, something that, that I'm thinking about, uh, Shahir, as you, as you were saying all of that, is really, and I, this, not to... I mean, well, sort of to bring it back to, you know, what I was saying at the very beginning mm-hmm. of this episode, which is because, you know, as you're saying, it's like this this could have been a like really like viscerally upsetting kind of thing. Or it could have been like full on classic Evil Dead, like, you know, schlocky buckets of blood, like rip roar and good time. This is my boomstick. Yeah, this is my boomstick. But then you get into the thing of just being like. But then would that just be an yeah. empty Sam Raimi imitation yeah. that no one's going to like, sorry, like Lee Cronin, no dis- disrespect. No one could do Sam Raimi as well as well uh, as, as, Sam Raimi. as well as he does. And it, it's also the, th- the thing that, that I'm remembering is like, even though it was a PG-13 movie, I reacted more like physically more strongly to like drag me to hell mm-hmm. than I did to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, again, that is actual Sam Raimi, but mm-hmm. him doing a, a kind of like a slight variation yeah. on, on his kind of thing. And this is why I just get back to the fact that like 
of okay, well here's here's the the, the great dilemma yeah. of this, which is this movie would probably be better if it were unshackled from the burden of being an Evil Dead movie and having that legacy and us having just kind of vague expectations like i don't know yeah. there'll be a bunch of blood and things will be possessed. there's a history there's a history there's a history but again no mythology no characters right. no no specific expectations just general expectations but so this movie would be better if it wasn't if it didn't if it have to be an evil it dead didn't movie. have the evil dead title but then also <laughs> would it, we go see it well no no, no <laughs> not not even that <laughs> but uh, going back even further with the film industry as it is right now, would they ever give this budget to a movie that did not have a brand? Yeah, with it, like 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 evil. It, this movie being called Evil Dead allowed it to to have a budget much larger than it would if a guy was like, I don't know, it's a movie about like a family uh, in an apartment. Apartment 56. It's like, whoa. Right, yeah. well, exactly. You know, it also reminds me of the fact that what can happen in these situations is kind of like what happened with Die Hard with a Vengeance, which is that a script that is floating around that, you know, that has nothing to do with Die Hard, eventually they're, they're looking for a new opportunity for Die Hard and will just co-opt another script into... into Die Hard that. with a Vengeance also... <laughs> From the director of the original Die Hard. Yeah, that is true. So he but, d- he did make it very well. Um, you know, look for comparison's sake, this this is not a huge budget movie. No, it's nineteen million dollars according to to Google. That's uh, honestly good. Uh, these days nineteen million for a horror movie is pretty. If you solid. compare that to Barbarian, which came out a few uh-huh, months ago, uh-huh. that was a four and a half million. Ooh, movie. ooh, ooh! There ooh. we go. <laughs> I loved Barbarian. I loved yeah. Barbarian too. I, I, Barbarian doesn't make me feel uncomfortable, but it makes me. But it. But I am always kind of going what's going to happen next and i'm always kind of engaged in what's going to happen next yes and and i will say in particular because i went into that knowing basically nothing right in particular the the scene leading up to the cut to justin long yeah is was 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 like genuinely intense in a way that i you know most studio horror movies are not yeah because i'm like I don't know what is happening. I don't know what this thing is that yeah. is mild spoilers for Barbarian. That is uh, bashing Bill Skarsgård's head into the wall. <laughs> well, you know, the, the thing that, uh, you know, maybe maybe the cultural zeitgeist that we're all kind of talking about because it's evident in Barbarians, evident in Bo's Afraid, and it's evident in Evil Dead Rises, is we're all having mommy issues right now. It's yeah, all about we really um, are. We're all having mommy we issues. We really, really Well, are. look, we had daddy issues <laughs> drive, like, several <laughs> generations worth of cinema. <laughs> I, I wanted to, I, I do. <laughs> That's such a, a good point. As much as I think I am the person in the room who kind of maybe enjoyed this the least, I also, you know, as a filmmaker, as a person who, you know, thinks about the, the, the way in which a project comes to a person and then the way in which they have to navigate it, I don't think there's any missteps made here. I think these are all very carefully considered decisions. No one's like, you know, like, um, there is no bad filmmaking on display here. There are no really bad decisions. What's what's difficult is that there are no exceptional decisions which elevate this to something new and innovative and worth discussing and recommending and, and sharing like we did with Barbarian. It's a film where you kind of go, well, you know, it kind of does half the thing and sort of does half of another thing. And, you know, like, I, I think on the other hand, if they decided to do... Uh, you know, like to me, when I think about Evil Dead, I think the obvious take to consider is what is the history of the Necronomicon, 
Like, how did the Necronomicon get come about? They sort of do it in Army of Darkness. I but don't it, want. No, that. I, I'm I'm just saying though, if you're at this point with the I Evil Dead franchise. The thing to do is to think about the Necronomicon because that is the one thing that ties this all together. What is the Necronomicon? Where does it come from? How does it tie into you know the Deadites? What are the Deadites? You know, like ask those questions and and see where that story takes you. But to Patrick's point, just on that, because it's so bare, like the Necronomicon is not like a a, a deep lore sort of thing. It's like, a book with one page where if you read that page, yeah. bad shit happens. Yeah, but so like I I. I don't like. Could they write that movie and make it super interesting? I yeah, bet you. It they also doesn't could. need to be serious either. It could still be fun sure. and slapsticky. I, I'm just saying. <gasps> you I'm know, just, it, here's my pitch. The, uh, the Nickelodeon uh, is a bunch of assholes. Sam <laughs> Raimi and Rob Tapper. If you are, I'm sure you're <laughs> well, listening of course, to the podcast. Yeah. Here's angrily, my, by the way, they're listening angrily. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Sam. Sam, I love you. Um, here, here is my pitch for uh, me, me, me. Having said on, on this episode. You know, I don't think they should make Evil Dead movies that aren't by Sam Raimi. Uh, here's my pitch for why I should make one. Um, uh, let me make an Evil Dead movie that's a period piece. Uh, and uh, just just make it about people throughout history finding the Necronomicon. Predator it up. Predator it up. Yeah. Just do a prey. Yeah. Uh, so actually, yeah. That, medievally. Oh, oh, wait, wait. Wasn't the medieval dead? All, that, was, that was the original title yep. for Army of Darkness. Yeah. yeah, but that, but exactly, put it in like the Renaissance times. This feudal this, Japan. Hell like, yeah! The, I mean, this is a you know actually. A, oh wait, you, no, you, no, sorry. Hire Takashi Miike yeah, yeah. to make feudal <laughs> Japan <laughs> evil Boom. dead. To just do with, like oh uh, thirteen God. assassins. Did with we just solve horror? Well, see, I, I think the thing is, you guys mentioned the exact um, the the success story in this, which was Predator Prey. Was the was the version of this where it's like, okay, what do we do with this now? Yeah, and and they take it to another place where it's like, okay, how would original Americans uh, have to deal with this with this character, which kind of is actually kind of in line with the um, with the original movie as well. It doesn't mean that it's like changing the format or anything. It's really just kind of bringing it back to its roots. I look as a person who again came to Evil Dead a little bit later, um, you know, am not. You know, wasn't one of the the people renting it every weekend or anything like that. Um, I'm I'm not exactly sure, and I and I also want to be somewhat forgiving to all the decisions that were made here because I think all the decisions that were made here were not made half heartedly. But there's not to me that question that you're asking is is obviously a question of like why does the, why is this an Evil Dead film is obviously a question we wouldn't ask if we were all excited by this movie, if we were all in this movie having a great time thinking, wow, what has this done? Nobody asked that question. But but here we are. Yeah. And and Yeah, I don't I don't I don't really have an answer for this other than look, I'm sure this ha- this did okay at the box office. So right? far. Yeah. 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 yeah I think um so- Super Mario Brothers still wins the day, but well, yeah. I mean, well, Super Mario Brothers is uh, you know just like you know running wild on everything, yeah. And uh, despite the fact that I have not seen it, <laughs> um, doesn't does, doesn't have my money, um, <laughs> but I, but here's the thing: didn't the 2013 Evil Dead like make a profit too? I think Box it did, and large. they never made a sequel to that. No, they also Matt. Wait, 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 hold on. Did you say the 2013 didn't get a sequel? Yeah, isn't that? What this is? Well, not a direct storyline no, sequel. This is just okay. 
Uh, this is just another reboot, I feel like. And also, and both of these movies are, it is entirely unclear if they are in continuity with the original movies or if they are like like resets because again continuity is so light in this series the second movie is basically a remake of the first one but uh but i do wonder if they will if this will be like a scream situation and they will crank out another one next year i am curious about that uh you know and and if maybe like you know now that the pressure is off about rebooting evil dead what would happen in the next one? I will say I'm curious to see what Lee Cronin does next. Mm-hmm. I'm curious yeah. to see an original movie from him. I should probably check out his his first movie. But I still kind of just come back to the like the fact that like I don't know if there is a horror series that is so singularly defined by one filmmaker and one actor. And uh and I don't I I, I really don't know. I, I have yet to see evidence that there is a genuine point to making non-Ramey Campbell Evil Dead movies. I'm going to take that a little even further. Of the re- horror reimaginings that we've seen so far, Halloween, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, Literally all the Platinum Dunes ones. All the Platinum Dunes ones. Has there any been where, is there any of them which we've said that was worth it? Uh, are we counting J-horror remakes? So Dark Water and The Ring? I think the I, I like The Ring more than Ringu. Look, Gore Verbinski Same. is kind of a special case. <laughs> I, I, I really love Gore Verbinski. Yeah. Um, um I, I here's the thing. I uh I, I think that's a different scenario though, taking a foreign film and remaking you're it. You're adapting it at that point. It yeah. is. I mean, I I think uh I think the Halloween fran the whole Halloween franchise is very interesting. Mm-hmm. And um <laughs> Uh, I'm not saying I like all the movies. I'm, I, I'm just thinking. Is I mean, my general take on Halloween is that it only should have been one movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think that is not what happened, and there are many interesting things that happened. Um, I I have a soft spot genuinely for Halloween Ends, which I just think is such a strange movie that makes that's such... the middle one. No, that's no, the, it's the last. That's one. the new one. Right. <laughs> uh, that's the one that is mostly just Christine. Yeah. Uh, and and barely a Halloween movie, but I. Uh, but 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 I, if, since we're in this world where the Halloween franchise kept on going after yeah. the first one, and then after the second one, and then after the third one, which I quite like, um, uh, and we're in a world where there are literally two different Lega sequels where Jamie Lee Curtis returns, because yeah. there's H2O, H2O and H2O, then yeah. Yeah. the David Gordon Green ones, which are not in continuity with, with, with each other, I'm... I... I That's think the one. I think no I think there's a kind of a value to all of these yeah. to uh especially cuz like uh, Halloween is such a weird thing of like everyone trying to like you know like grapple with like John Carpenter's legacy and yeah. and this stuff and I like the messiness of there being like a bunch of these things all dealing with it in different ways but uh but also I feel like Halloween is such a different beast and gets Halloween gets something a, a lot more like kind of, like, primordial than Evil Dead does. Evil Dead is basically just, like, like a, a wacky funhouse yeah. that, that, that they take you through. There are not, like, these, like, a, <laughs> these deep horrors at the heart of American society <laughs> that, that they're kind of getting at, that they that can be explored in, like, future movies. There is, like, uh, I, like I, I love Ash yeah. so much, you know, there's not quite as much to do with Ash as there is with, like, Laurie Strode. Yeah. And so, again, I just, 
you know, Hollywood, please prove me wrong. <laughs> but uh, I, I will keep hand. I will keep. Okay. I'm not handing over my money. I will keep hitting my AMC A-list reserve ticket button and showing up to see whatever new Evil Dead movie you make. But I will continue to wonder <laughs> what the point is. And if I would rather just be seeing the same people make a different horror movie instead. Yeah. None of us saw Smile, did we? No. Did you ever see Smile? No. So, so maybe we're... I think I got so annoyed by seeing the trailer so much. Yeah. I was just like... I watched the short film that Smile was based upon, and I thought it was, like, solid. I, I hear... I heard it was pretty good. Yeah. And, like, uh, I mean, look, uh, Fede Alvarez, <laughs> after... 2013 Evil Dead, then made uh, Don't Breathe. Yeah. Uh, did he make Don't Breathe before? I, I, I think hear. after. Okay. All right. And I'll, then he I'll, made... I'll... And I, I think Don't Breathe is pretty solid. Yeah, I hear and, um, I hear it's really good. I, 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 I like... I don't love it, but I like it more than, than Evil Dead. I didn't see Don't Breathe 2, which seems He did He did weird. the girl... Uh, did he do... He did, he the, did the girl on the spider's spider web? web? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, what... And he's uh, doing an alien film next. Really? Alien Romulus is he though? He well, is he Romulus because because they're making the, evil did then then don't breathe. Well, right. they're making the the Noah Hawley FX yeah. or Hulu uh, Alien series. Look, if we're talking <laughs> Alien, I don't want to see <laughs> Alien Romulus. Let Ridley make his third movie. <laughs> I want to see what David gets up to out there in space. <laughs> That'd be nice. Uh, let him I'm, finish the trilogy. Just let him do I'm, it. I'm checked out on those. I'm afraid. I, I'm both. I, 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 I'm mixed on Prometheus. I straight up love Covenant. Do you really? Do yeah, you really? I mean, yeah, <laughs> I've, got, I've got a whole video about it. Patrick explains Alien Covenant and why it's great. Have I not seen that one? It is. I'm gonna uh, go back. I love that movie. All right. And uh, and, and 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 it sets it up at the end. It, it is. It has. It is one of the bleakest, darkest endings of any studio movie in the past, like, decade or so. It it literally is just, like, sociopath android Michael Fassbender there basically killing all the humans, and then he's just in a ship full of embryos to just do experiments on (laughs) out there in space. And I'm like, and and I'm like, Ridley figured it out with this one. He had such a good time. The the two Michael Fassbenders kiss each other. Oh, you know, he says, "What is the, what is the flute line?" Oh, says, oh, oh, I, oh, well, um, um, I, was it? Uh, <laughs> you 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 blow, I'll do the fingering. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's so gross. <laughs> and I'm like, let him make his third movie. I would be interested. So this is actually this will bring me into my final point of Evil Dead Rise. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Alien Covenant. <laughs> no, trust me, I'm going to circle it back. I did not particularly like Alien Covenant. Mm-hmm. Most people didn't. But I would really, really, really like to see that third movie, knowing full well that I also might not like that third movie. And I'm going to circle back. Alien Covenant is a film I remember. I liked watching Evil Dead Rise. (laughs) I enjoyed my time at the theater. I had a good audience. I've enjoyed this conversation. I'm not really going to remember much from Evil Dead Rise. And there's nothing, and I want to, this is actually something interesting. I don't think that's intrinsically a problem. I don't, I don't need every film to be the thing that like I keep coming back to or, or that defines a thing or that just, oh my God, this whole thing. I mean, that might get weird and exhausting. And if everything was special, then nothing's special. So like, I don't know there's a whole, there's a whole ecosystem of thought we could go into there. Like syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My point is, 
Are you talking about the Incredibles character? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You know, if everyone is special, special no, no one, one is. is special. My there point is, <laughs> I'm oh, sorry. If everyone's super, no super, one is. Super, no one's super. <laughs> I am totally fine going to this movie, watching it, being pleasantly surprised, enjoying my time, realizing there's problems, and then probably not really thinking much about this after we're done with this episode. And I think there's a, there's space for that in there. Is it weird that it's an Evil Dead movie for me? At first, I'd say yes, because it does have such a deep-seated thing in my in my little dark soul. But then I remember, I fell off. I didn't see 2013. I didn't watch Ash vs. the Evil Dead. So, like, it's okay to have, like, eras in, in my time with movies or with franchises. As we get older, on my fucking mm. birthday, which isn't even my birthday anymore, we've been talking for fucking ever, uh... <laughs> No, it's three minutes past my birthday. Ha ha! Uh, so, so my point being with this passage of time. means to you now. Yeah, no, yeah, please yeah. do. Uh, my <laughs> with the passage of time, it's okay to transition and and try new things or not enjoy the thing just because the name's on the tin. And I I did like this, but it's not going to change my life or change my opinion really of the originals. It was just like I hit the button on my AMC stubs. <laughs> That's that's my review. Yeah. So, uh, and again, I'm the person who doesn't have the the back history with the Evil Dead, um, and you know, kind of maybe feel a little less enamored to it. But I I I want to appreciate the amount of decision making that goes into making a film like this, and the difficulty in making decision uh, that th- that goes into a film like this. And I think if the body horror kind of visceral thrill is what you're going in for i think the you know it could be serviced by this movie but only serviced not excited by not kind of dared by not like whoa this is something really new and interesting um and but but you know so i want to respect that side of it by also but also just kind of sitting in it going I watched these movies, both of these back to back over two nights and said, this is not for me. Be, you know, like these, these are just not for me because I, A, don't enjoy that as an empty thrill ride on its own. On its own. Like I need something like Takeshi Miike's inventiveness or Sam Raimi's sort of sense of comedy to it or Peter Jackson's sense of scale to it. I need something like that to kind of like tether me to this. Uh, and then on the other side of it, the the actual uh, narrative construct, as you kind of pointed out, um, doesn't have anywhere to go, or doesn't go anywhere. And a film like Barbarian, The Descent, those are films that provide both those those thrills and do something with a story that actually leaves me walking out of the theater. I'm not probably not going to revisit Barbarian, but I think it's a good movie, and I think about it, and I go, oh yeah, that was actually good. And I and my barometer for is it okay has to do more with would I recommend someone see it? And, and in that measure, Evil Dead kind of falls into a very small parameter of whether I would recommend it to someone. It would be, if you're an interested in Evil Dead, you're going to go see this. But other than that, I'm not going to tell you to go see this. You know? What I'm really curious about <laughs> is what, like, a 14-year-old would make of this movie mm-hmm. because... Like, I I was around, like, 14 or 15 when yeah. I discovered the Evil yeah, Dead movies yeah. originally. And, uh, and obviously, I mean, like, I still think, like, those are, like, capital G great movies. Like, Evil Dead 2, like, all-time masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wonder what, if this, you know, well, you know, well, 
we're men who've been around the block a couple times. Well, yeah. well, to that to that end, I was actually on set on Saturday, and I was kind okay. of supervising a set. Uh, that was uh, a colleague of mine. It was his first directing um, uh, set. And so I just said, I'll pop in just to see how you guys are doing. I ended up staying for a lot longer than I intended to. And I started talking to the crew and that sort of thing. And the DP was a younger guy. And we, we started talking. And he told me that uh, Evil Dead 2013 is one of his favorite horror films of all time. Okay. And so, so to that end, um, you, there is something to that as well. Is that as, as we celebrate the day of Matt's birth, <laughs> we should acknowledge that perhaps... We are old fuckers, and and we discovered this movie at the right time for our age, and it is what speaks to us. Because um, part of the research that I was doing into this movie was thinking about the video nasty period in uh, in British broadcasting history. And uh, you guys know about yeah. this, yeah, where, yeah. where the movie was banned in in the UK. Uh, all sorts of strange cuts were being made to the movie. Mark Kermode. Uh, um, has a great series where he goes over what happened with this particular film. And it was really interesting in the way that which uh, Evil Dead became sort of the cause celeb of, of that idea. And what happened was, was that young people really got behind this movie. And you can hear uh, Edgar Wright uh, talk about this movie passionately because he saw it when he was that age. And it meant something to see something transgressive. Mm -hmm. And I think the fact that it was transgressive was the the kind of key side to it there. That's why, the, for me, when I watched, I watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre on Christmas Day with my family, and it was like... As God intended. As God intended. And I was like, I have witnessed something here <laughs> that, is, that can no longer be unwitnessed. <laughs> and, and, and so to that point, um, if a 13-year-old walks into the Evil Dead and has not experienced this kind of body horror before or this kind of... like, There is a lot of blood on display here. Oh yeah. And there's and and maybe, you know, to the to the thing that you raised about the sound design, these are pe you know, younger people who are kind of grown have grown into a world where that is the vernacular of how these movies operate. So therefore, this is what becomes their 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 um their evil did. You know, it was their Rushmore. It was my Rushmore first. <laughs> um, sure. um, but but you know, this new cycle of horrors. You know, like the Halloween, the the David Gordon Green Halloween becomes their Halloween instead of John Carpenter's Halloween, and maybe there's a cyclical nature to that as well. I you know, look, I, I do go back and whenever I see something, I will go back and try to revisit the original and try to parse my thoughts from it. To me, again, the Sam Raimi ness of it is a very key factor, just as the John Carpenter of The Thing and Halloween, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, of Halloween is is a really interesting dynamic to it. And I haven't seen that in these movies other than Neil Marshall's The Descent, Ari Aster's Hereditary, um, or um, Barbarian, I forget the Zach... Kreger. Uh, Zach Kreger's yeah. uh, Barbarian. Those are the ones where I go, I think those movies are going to stand the test of time because they are new and innovative, and, and I think those have a better shot of becoming this generation's big thing. Um, but, you know, who knows? Yeah, it's like, I mean, best case scenario, mm. I would say I hope uh, I hope that this could be, because, it, you know, it's getting like a, a really wide release. And yeah. That. Like, I, I, I hope that it could be a gateway movie for young people. Uh, <laughs> Listen it, to us. <laughs> I, I hope people under the, the legal age where they can see this movie <laughs> see this movie. Yeah. And... Uh, and I mean, it, but now I'm getting into the thing that I wonder about, like, you know, if I talk to people, you know, you know, I'll talk to like a 20 year old and they'll be like, like, oh, yeah, like the biggest, uh, you know, like movie going experience of my life was like when I was 15 and like uh, and I saw Infinity War and I'll be like. <laughs> 
man, my day we had Spider-Man 2 and Lord of the Rings, and you just have an inferior version of that, and now kids these days have an inferior Evil Dead. And uh, and so there's part of me that's like, oh, God, are they they just going to, like, get increasingly watered down with each generation? But that said, if this movie leads, you know, people to you know, t- to like to watch the originals and fall in love with those. And that's great. Uh, it is just, you know, I, I, I feel like it, it's the tricky thing of how do you make, you know, $20 million stu- like slick studio horror movies feel as like uh, as transgressive as like the original did in the 80s. Mm. Is it even possible I don't know. Has it now? Is this like the ultimate case of it's like, oh, a major label got them and polished up their sound, <laughs> and now it's just a soulless reproduction <laughs> of the original? Um, but you know what? I still, again, Matt, like you said, I had, I had a good time watching it. I also, six days on, so much of it has left my brain. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and going back to the very beginning... Uh, Shahir, when you were talking about, you know, seeing Scorsese talking about Bo is Afraid, and granted, I don't think every movie should not be a Bo is Afraid <laughs> and be a movie that you need to, like, like wrestle with <laughs> for years. Sometimes you just want to <laughs> have a good t- a movie that gives you a good time <laughs> on first viewing and you know how you feel about it. But um, I don't think I'm going to be wrestling with Evil Dead Rise. I think... This will be a movie that I'll like, you know, if I look back on it in a decade, you know, I would be like, oh, yeah, that was like pretty solid. It was like, uh, you know, better than the 2013 one <laughs> that I haven't wa- now not watched in 20 years. <laughs> and um, yeah, I don't know. What's to what's to become of the Evil Dead series? What's to become of the Deadites? <laughs> Tune in next week when I, I don't know. I'm going to go for your pitch on the the midi- what's the Necronomicon through time. I think. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. Look, don't you want to watch like, uh, I don't know. Like Venice in the uh, 1600s. You know what I no, I want to like, see do, like weird. No, like, hell yeah! I want to see a crossover with Russell Crowe as the Pope's exorcist walking over <laughs> into go. the Evil Dead world and like trying to exorcise the Necronom- the Deadites out of uh, out of someone. You know what? Okay, wait. I'm sorry to keep prolonging this episode, <laughs> but, but now now you've raised a crazy idea, which is because we've talked about how 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 vital a role Bruce Campbell played in the original yeah. movies. Is a thing they need to do with Evil Dead movies is to put a like Bruce a, 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 a just a a huge personality <laughs> front and center, and uh, like I know you're joking about Russell Crowe as the Pope's Exorcist, but Russell Crowe is also an actor who likes to go big, and these days, for, like, the past decade, go. likes to have fun yeah. in like like wacky stuff. Did Did you watch at the end of the Evil Dead? The 2013 movie, there was an in credit scene with, yeah, with Bruce it, Campbell. Yeah, that uh, he like shot in his living room. Yeah, it, it was the strangest thing because it's it's it has no purpose whatsoever. He basically appears at the end and just turns to the camera and says "groovy," and then it just cuts to black. And it's it like, <laughs> these maybe the most half-assed post-credit scene I've ever Weird. seen. Yeah, yeah. It, it, is I don't like it. Is, is the evil did the evil did without Ash? I mean, we've been circling around it. It depends on what you're going to it for. You like, I think they've proven you can you can do it without them. But maybe that's not what people are looking for that love the old stuff or that won't resonate with them as much. Um, I'm. This is what I want, listeners. Email us in onlymoviepodcast at gmail dot com. And, and he, I'm going to put a caveat on this. 
if you if you consider yourself a young person, I'm not going <laughs> to give you an age bracket. I just it's want, up to you. It's up to you. If you consider yourself a young person, and double points if you really haven't followed the Evil Dead throughout your life. I want to know what you thought of Evil Dead Rise because I do think at the end of sort of what we were just discussing, that person on your set, Shahir, just when when all of us were saying like, oh, we're old and yada yada yada. I want to know what if this has that effect. I don't think it will, personally, because I think the personality, the the Bruce Campbell, Sam Raimi combo personality kind of thing is the thing that made Evil Dead special in the first place. And while this was fun and cool and neat, oh, God, I don't think it's special. That sounds really harsh, but I did like it. Anyway... (laughs) This has been the only <laughs> podcast about the film Evil Dead Rise. Patrick, thank you so much. Thank you so for much coming for coming aboard. My pleasure. Uh, happy to be back. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> she here. Oh, actually, no. I'm sorry, Patrick. When when you are not gracing uh, our when your presence is not gracing us, where can folks find you? Uh, you know, I'm on some of those social media platforms at Patrick H. Willems, uh, and you know, I talk a lot more about movies. At, uh, you can watch my videos. They're just videos by Patrick Willems on YouTube and Nebula. And that's where I am. Yeah. The creator-owned and operated streaming service. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've said it a lot. Oh, wait. This podcast is on there, <laughs> this right? This podcast is... You might be listening to this <laughs> on Nebula. Well, you know, just just uh, close this tab uh-huh. and let's go over and, and uh, just, just search Patrick. and there just you go. Search Patrick on Nebula and I'll come up. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> Shahir, buddy, when What's you that? are not uh, surprising me with lovely birthday gifts, where can folks find you? Uh, I am going to be waiting outside your window watching you watch Gian Dalman <laughs> in eager anticipation. I'm going to watch your every reaction and document it on my website, www.shahirdaud.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com. Matt, when you are firing up your Blu-ray player, loading up Chantal Ackerman's uh, was it 1968 film? When was this movie? Is 19? No, it's 1970. Was it the 70s? 70s, yeah. But recently voted the greatest film of all time, according to the Sight and Sound uh, poll. Where can people find you? You can find me, uh, honestly, going straight to Smart to buy a new television to watch that film on over at my website, <laughs> M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com for my life and works. Also, Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-S on Instagram or P-S-N. And of course, Emperor MSK on Twitter. As per usual, please check out the good works we are doing over on extra credits and extra history I believe by the time this drops we'll be well into our Napoleon in Egypt series that's a fucking weird story I never knew about Napoleon's life he's Ridley Scott is going to tell you I more I know he's going to keep going So I'm, this I'm, is why he's not making a new alien covenant oh he's stuck he's stuck <laughs> on Napoleon after, like, he's making Gladiator 2 next oh, so boy. after Gladiator 2 alien you know who should be 3. in Gladiator 2 Bruce Campbell. Oh, the Necronomicon. <laughs> yeah, the Wait, Necronomicon. Because no. oh, they were going to, it was it was sitting in the afterlife originally. Sorry, Matt, I interrupted. <laughs> I got nothing. Extra I mean, credits, watch it. Yeah, yeah, watch it. There's stuff. There's things. We do talk about games and stuff. Maybe we'll talk about the Ash versus the, the Evil Dead game. I don't know. Um, next week, we'll be talking about a movie. I have no idea. What, Patrick, is there anything coming out that you're interested in? Uh, oh, wait, you mean coming out, like, tomorrow? Or yeah, no, just yeah. in general. Is there anything coming up that, uh, well, that what would you come back to the podcast for? What would I come back for? I mean, I, 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 I know. I, uh, well, I mean, it's a big summer, guys. It's yeah. true. It's a big summer. We got the Mission Impossible. Oh, God, uh, I can't wait for that. Uh, uh, what? what? Are you yeah. fucking kidding me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't like the Mission Impossible movies? I like three of the Mission Impossible movies. We have to and end this, this is podcast a controversial one. Point. This is a controversial one. 
Which? Which is my favorite? <laughs> oh, God. Patrick's face is, just changed. So, so, so this I'm is gonna, my favorite so movie I, series in the world. Okay, so my favorite of the Mission Impossibles <laughs> is the one that has been voted the least favorite of all. Two? Three. Three is my favorite. You're fucking wrong. Three <laughs> is by far oh my the God. best of the Mission Impossible. That is, with Jesus a, I've watched Christ. all of them recently, we, and I was no, like, it's no. not even a oh, question. Oh my God. It's not even a question. You okay. should just fade out while we're doing this. By the way, Matt, Here, you should just here's fade. the thing. Start okay. the music. You should start the music right now. My thing. Start the Mission Impossible music if you want to. I'm my thing with it. Mission Impossible is look. It is. <laughs> I love talking about this series so much, and because it, like unlike other series, it's like basically you can. Any opinion is good. Anything <laughs> except, is good. Except, 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 that except, except there are two opinions that I'm just like, I'm sorry. If people say these, I just like I I can't I can't deal with it. It's if people uh dis one, which I think nope. is one is, is amazing. Is, is, is so uh, one is amazing, yeah. Yeah. Yes. and uh and if people anyone who says three is the best one, I'm like, I I cannot wrap my head around that. It is <laughs> I it, I cannot like, wrap like, my head around anyone saying otherwise because I've watched the series end to end at least three times and I've and, and three, the the Abrams one the Abrams one with a, and it is because of Philip Seymour Hoffman he's only Philip, he's in it for like fifteen minutes and he is the without a doubt the best threat to Ethan yes Hunt. he's a, he's a great character he is the best threat to Ethan Hunt as a character throughout the entire series it is the dullest movie in the series that, Ethan is, number, that is number two moves to the, number two is the dullest oh, oh, one in the series to be clear um I, you should fade this out yeah <laughs> fade it right here well, well, you know, the, the, to be clear I think two is okay I think I think three is more fun to watch than two I think two is way more interesting than three Oof. three is is about him you, you've it, seen sabotage right Oh no! You've seen um, uh, Notorious. Yes, you've seen Notorious. Yes, it's it's just Notorious. It is. It is so weird. Look, look I think two is the worst in the series. I think I'm just going to start reading from the Necronomicon. While you I'm guys just like talk. I I cannot like or write us in if you want to debate. Every <laughs> year, Patrick and I debate about Mission Impossible. Every, l- l- like, uh, just, I, I think three is the least interesting one. No. Do you know what my favorite Mission Impossible movie is? Anything but three. Bye, everybody. <laughs>